episode 202 of The Platformers, a show about games and nerd culture. I am your host, Brian Barnett. I am Chris Schreiber. I am Michael Kazwara. I'm Odo Harmon Jr. I'm Logan Plant. Hey, 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 so many guests, so many fresh faces that are new to The Platformers. Thank you all for joining us. Um, this is our special Metroid Dread spoiler cast, and we're going to get into it in a moment. Uh, quick note, uh, this is a spoiler cast, but we are going to have a quick spoiler-free impressions discussion at the front of the show. Uh, so stick around, even if you are planning on maybe jumping into Dread at some point, if you want to just get our kind of uh, hot or cold takes, I guess, at the front. But I want to introduce uh, our guests. Y'all know the lovely Chris Shriver. He runs the Twitch stream. He's just a beautiful I do. boy. I'm, I'm here. Got a little very comfortable looking sweater over there. I do. My cardigan. Also, Not he's a got an alien over. artifact on the wall in the back that's glowing. Yep. Banjo-Kazooie so. is still a good game. Great game. God. So, uh, but I want to make a quick runaround on our guests. we got three very, very lovely guests that were kind enough to join us for this delightful spoiler cast. Michael, please introduce yourself to the listeners and viewers at home and tell people where they might know you from. Sure. I, I have forced my way to about a thousand little pockets of the internet. So I think the main ones are, so I've done a ton of work for IGN. So you've probably seen my name pop up there. A lot of guide work. I've done stuff for other websites like the Hollywood Reporter. I just had something go up for the Washington Post, which I'm really proud of. And nice. I don't know, I stream, I do YouTube videos. I have a YouTube channel. I just started uh, this whole Twitter account thing. Like. I, I run my own website, my pretty legacy, a whole bunch of stuff. So hopefully you can connect me to at least one of those things. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Odell, where might people know you from? Hey, everybody. Uh, I've been around for a long time. Just, you know, caravanning through the game industry. I interned the Game Informer. Shout out to people that know me from that. I got my own podcast, Full Circle Podcast. Shout out to people that know me from that. I've been on Kind of Fundy a few times. Shout out to people who know me from that. I freelance mm-hmm. for IGN, GameSpot, Polygon way back in the day. Shout out to people who know me from that. And I go to like every gaming convention known to man. So shout out to people who've seen me in person. Been on a couple of panels. So I don't know, game journalist extraordinaire, whatever in that term means in today's world. I'm not even sure myself. But I get around. <laughs> nice. <laughs> That's awesome. And Logan, introduce yourself to our to our fine viewers and tell people where they might know you from. Yeah, so people probably know me, if they do, from NVC, IGN's Nintendo show, Nintendo Voice Chat. Been working behind the scenes there for a couple of years as a freelancer. Write news for IGN, a couple features over there, so mainly freelance work for IGN right now. A couple things on the side. My own podcast, Ode to Games, and for any baseball fans out there, Bonus Baseball. I've uh, been doing that actually longer than any game stuff. I got into the sports side of things first. But, yeah, happy to be here. Love podcasting and excited to talk about Metroid. Awesome. Awesome. Cool. Well, let's get started. Um, let's just quickly go around and and uh, and tell people what our own personal history is with the Metroid franchise and our kind of impressions of the game uh dread which we've been waiting for for quite some time um i will start 
Um, I've been playing Metroid since at least the Super Nintendo. I think I dipped into the NES version of Metroid at like a friend's house or something. But Super Metroid is really when I fell in love with the series. And uh, if you listen to episode 200 of the platformers, you will know that Super Metroid, uh, which I am wearing a shirt to commemorate, is my number one favorite game of all time. So I came to this game with some pretty loaded expectations. Uh, And... I will say in some ways it exceeded them and in other ways I think it falls short. I think largely, and I, I actually guessed it on Odell's uh, show Full Circle, uh, I, I think if I had to give it a score, I would probably give it an eight. Uh, I really like it. I think it's got some pretty serious problems and some just kind of minor annoyances. Uh, but I think that if you're coming to this game for pure gameplay i don't think almost any metroidvania style games feel this good to just play um and that's my kind of high level thing i i'm i actually am pretty satisfied with how they wrapped up the metroid story but uh we will get into that a little bit more later uh chris what do you think um so my metroid history uh Return of Samus was actually the first one I ever played. My aunt had a copy of it in a drawer with a Game Boy that used to be my cousin's, and I used to go over there and play that um, whenever, you know, they would they would be doing whatever the older kids did, and that's what I would always, you know, gravitate towards when I wasn't playing Dr. Mario on it. Um, and then, honestly, I was more of a, a Metroid Prime guy. Um, I think the only other 2D Metroid I had played for a long time, like until, like, the Wii, Virtual, Wii, Wii U Virtual Console was... Um, uh, Metroid Fusion on uh, mm, the GBA. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I got that, fun fact, from a Snapple competition. I saved enough silver caps, <laughs> and they gave it to me. <laughs> um, Dude, that's awesome. Yeah, I, you know, I was like 10 when that game came out. I didn't have money, but I wanted it. What's your favorite Snapple flavor? Um, just original. I'm a simple man. Oh. Yeah, I don't even drink it now. I don't think I've had a Snapple in like ten years, probably since that competition. But good. anyway, that's a good. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. There's a lot of sugar in that. <laughs> Give me my Nintendo game, and I'm out. Yeah, that's it. The relationship's <laughs> over. Um, yeah. yeah. Outside of that, uh, I tried playing Samus Returns on the 3DS. Um, didn't really do it for me. You know, I notoriously like went on a rant on this show at one point about how terrible i think the parry system is in that game um i haven't tried to revisit it since playing dread uh i i, I just, have i just well, uh yeah. <laughs> got it running on the the emulation pc in the living room i may give it another shot i don't know um i think dread is uh, i agree with a, you know a lot of what you said um i think gameplay wise like moment to moment when you're in like i think the boss battles are incredible um yeah. i think they're really well designed but I think, uh, and I get it's a Metroid game. It's very easy to get lost to the point of like over frustration. Like it, like there's too many moments in the, this game where I was like, all right, that, this is this is enough. Um, but overall, I mean, I enjoy my experience with it for sure. Um, it's way better than I thought it would be. I didn't even finish Samus Returns, which is uh, Mercury Studios' last game. Um, mm. But I, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm glad that you know everybody who's played it for the most part seems to really be enjoying it. Um, and you know, I hope we get more, more, uh, finely tuned versions 
of uh, Metroid games moving forward. Um, hmm. I think there's a lot of changes that they could make to the formula, but they, I think Nintendo is a little uh, apprehensive too because they don't want to upset fans. And now that I think this saga is over, there's a good chance that they could be like, all right, we're going to hit the reboot, reset button, and see what we can do with it. That would be interesting. I, I am very curious where they will go from here. I, I would be more curious about where they would go from here if they hadn't already made Prime an interstitial series. Yeah. Uh, and there are, like, tons of, like, things in between, you know. Y- you, could, you could put a lot between Fusion and this if you wanted. Yeah. Um, but, you know. Or even after. Whatever. Uh, Michael. What's your what's your history with Metroid? Oof. Um, I'm a little nervous. I, I think I'm gonna have some controversial opinions after everything I just heard. <laughs> uh, but for the history I, side, I of got them, some. I, just to just to brace you, when we get into spoilers. <laughs> I got some fucking hot takes. I got some real spicy opinions. Right, good, good. I won't be alone. This will so. this will be fun. This will be fun. Uh, for history wise, I think my first exposure must have been Smash Brothers because I <laughs> SNES never. Never had one. NES, we never had any interaction with Metroid, so uh, saw the character there, and then when Metroid Prime came out, when we got our GameCube at the same time as Metroid Prime and Wind Waker, that was my first Metroid experience, and y'all, that's a good, that is such a great Metroid experience. That's, you're going to have a first Metroid game, Metroid Prime. Um, and then since then, I've been slowly going back and playing the others, so when the 3DS Ambassador program happened. That's when I played Fusion. Oh, yeah. When the Wii U started Virtual Console had its uh, 30 games for 30 cents or something. Does it sound familiar? Something like that. Something yeah. like that. I got Super Metroid yeah. for 30 cents or something. Played it then. Loved it. Uh, then played every new release since that point. Um, so the only big game I think I didn't play was... I've tried playing the original. Eh, it's a okay. whole game is it's, old. Uh, I don't it's to, a lot. I don't think I need to do that. The one thing I want to do is you don't need Zero to do Mission. that when Zero Mission exists. Yeah. So that's like the one game then. Um, yeah. As for Metroid Dread, really like it. Really uh, encourage others to play it. Sure, if you like Metroid, you're gonna like this. Don't think it's like wow, amazing as I've seen so many other people say. I just think it's it's very Metroid. It doesn't do anything too wild beyond what you would expect um and i think part of that is because i played samus returns and i loved it so much and that was my moment of like wow i love metroid this is so great this might be one of maybe not my favorite metroid but this is such a great experience and then this is kind of a continuation of that so my i'm not as excited for it yeah. <clears throat> interesting, interesting. Odell. Well, uh, so I played Super Metroid around the time it came out, but I was a young buck. And uh, so I didn't really know what I was doing. But to be fair, I didn't really know what I was doing in any game. <laughs> Fun fact, Yoshi's Island is probably the first game I ever beat from beginning to end on my own, and it forever changed my life. But before then, games to I've me I've still were- never beaten that game. I, I It's on my, my list to beat that game. I've started it like 17 times. It, it, I refuse to never 
to never not let it be in my top ten games of all best games of all time. It has to be at least in the top ten. It's currently at like number eight right now. But I digress. So legitimately, uh, I'm singing that theme song like at least once a week for the past like ten years. At least right. I can rock with that. So uh, games, games for me, you know, I feel like most little kids are very much, you pick it up, you play it, you do something, you progress, maybe you play the first level a thousand times. So, you know, I was in that era of my life when Super Metroid came out. So it was like, oh, yeah, you know, I killed things and opened doors. So, you know, I basically beat the game. But for sure, <laughs> it wasn't until uh, Metroid Prime that I got my true beginning to end Metroid experience. And that game opened up my eyes for a lot of things. Cause I really wasn't big into 3D first-person games, mm-hmm. which I guess GoldenEye being the exception at that point. But the game really just, I was, like, amazed. And so I retroactively went back and beat Super. And then I tried to play the original Metroid, but, like, most people test it. It's, like, it does not age well. It's like the original Mega Man, which is a bad game, people. I'm sorry. Agreed. Yeah. No. no. <laughs> but... The, the glow up from Mega Man 1 to Mega Man 2 is ridiculous. And I feel the same way about from Metroid 1 to like, if we're looking at console Metroids to Super Metroid. I don't know. I've never played the original uh, like Metroid 2 for Game Boy. I didn't have that. but Also, I actually did play this. My mom used to work at a hospital. And so I had free range to go to like the kids section and they had a Game Boy. And the only game they had was Metroid 2. And I'd be like, All wow. right, cool. I guess this is what I'm playing. And so, not Tetris, yeah, not Dr. Mario. Not, they not had Tetris, Metroid. Not, it was Metroid too. I remember that's an intense I, hospital. It, the funny thing about it was, I didn't even know Samus or anything Metroid related. I just thought it was like a game, and I was just like, "Oh, it's green. I don't, I don't know. I'm doing stuff." <laughs> but eventually, I did go back and play Zero Mission, and uh, Samus Returns. So you know, I got those checked off the list. I played all the primes as they came out. Loved them. Fantastic. I'm so. I'm not upset, but it saddens me that so many Metroid fans are like, oh, yeah, but I've never played the Prime Series. I'm like, bro, you, you just really got to. You know, I've even played, you know, Other M, which is a trash game from a story perspective, but I think it's a really great game from a design perspective, and I'm so happy that the best parts of Other M made it into Dread because I, 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 for a long time, was on this campaign of ignore Dread story. I mean, ignore Other M story take the lessons it did in gameplay. So, Mercury Studio, I'm glad y'all heard me. I don't know if y'all did, but if y'all heard me, I'm glad because I've been preaching that for years. <laughs> and uh, Dread as a whole, I honestly think it's a really great game. It's, it's about a nine for me because there's some things I don't like or I could complain about, but to me, they feel very like, eh, no game is perfect. These are things I just don't like. But like as someone who's played, well, Fusion's also one of my favorite games ever. So someone who's played, like, the entire library of all the main games and then how I look at Dread from, like, story, gameplay, and, you know, it being, you know, how it feels like a Metroid game, I have very little to complain about. I have things I don't like, but I just feel like that's personal taste and not actual complaints on the game as a whole. But that's me. Hmm. Interesting. Noted. And I guess we'll get into more of that later. Uh, Logan. Yeah, I... I think I have a I have an interesting relationship with the Metroid series because I never really liked it very much and that <laughs> bugged me. It bugged me a lot because I love everything Nintendo, Zelda, Mario, Smash, Pokemon, all of it, but Metroid was the one thing I could just never get into. And it's not just Metroid games, it was Metroidvanias as a whole. I just never really clicked with honestly until Metroid Dread, which is why I think 
This is going to be a good conversation because I think we all have very <laughs> different opinions about this series. That's great. But I played Super Metroid and I finished it and I did not super love it like everybody else does. I've played Zero Mission to almost completion. I never finished the Zero Suit Samus stealth sections, but I, I that beat That part it. is, is uh, a little rough. Yeah. I thought that was pretty bad stealth, um, but I, I did beat up to what the original Metroid has, so I guess it counts. Uh, Samus Returns, I played over half of that, and uh, sorry, did not love that one. And Fusion, I also played to completion, and there's just something about it that I never loved until Metroid Dread, which I think it's just because of the movement. I think it is so much fun to move around in Metroid Dread that... I loved backtracking and exploring because of how cool Samus is to control. So for that reason, I adore Dread, and I hope the 2D series continues beyond it because this type of game is one that I'm really into when I'm not so much into the other ones. And as for Prime Odell, I want to play those, but I know the second I do, they'll be like, here's the HD version, and I'll be like, shoot, well, I just played the standard version. So I'm holding out for as long as I can on those. I mean, it's got to be coming to Switch at yeah, some it point. To, right? It's sitting like, in a vault somewhere. Like, they just, they've just they got stacks of copies of it they're just sitting on. Particularly with the success of Dread, which is already, like, the best-selling Metroid game, right? Should and, be, and, I would yeah, assume. We don't know numbers yet, but it looks like it. It's, it's, at least anecdotally, like, I've been a Metroid fan for a long time. There are not that many of us. It's like me... Justin Davis, some of the people on this call, and that's like kind of it. <laughs> Nobody else likes Metroid. Come on. It doesn't sell that well. That's why they haven't been making them. I do. Uh, I always found it interesting, though, that like, at least in the last like 10 years, they, the Metroidvania has like taken off, and everybody yeah. that, you know, the Guacamelees and Hollow Knight and like people that have played these games Blood are like, stands. they're amazing. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it is literally my favorite genre. Yeah, uh, and that is because of Super Metroid, you know, and 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 on occasion you'll come across a game that is like maybe as good as that, you know. As somebody who thinks Super Metroid is a ten, like you get you get your games that are in that same kind of rarefied air. You get your Hollow Knights, and you know, depending on how you think of it, your Guacamelees and Guacamelee too. Uh, but it's pretty rare to have something that that, in my opinion, even comes close to being that level of like polish and thoughtfully designed, you know, areas and backtracking that is egregious and doesn't disrespect the player's time, but you know, getting your Dark Souls style, which is actually a Metroid style, like interconnected world and stuff, is really hard to do. Uh, you know, and to do all of that and like have the art be really good, um, you know, particularly when sprite based art is incredibly rare nowadays because it's so expensive to make um but yeah so i mean right you heard it here listeners and viewers like pretty much everybody here would recommend this game so i think that is where we will wrap up our spoiler free discussion and we're about to dive into the real meat and potatoes uh and we're going to spoil the absolute heck out of this so uh you got three two one all right get the heck out of here uh, so I sent a couple of things to everybody, um, and I want to dive in to the 
story and the ways that this game departs and stays true to the previous entries in the series. It's interesting that we now have several people on the show that are familiar with both the 3D games and the 2D games, because I think that there are a few things that Prime and the 2D series do really well, uh, which is like exploration and getting you to kind of poke at the seams of the world. Uh, and I've actually heard some people complain that they got that they they got lost a lot in this game. I think I got lost for like 10 or 15 minutes, maybe once. But I'm also like, this is also like literally my favorite genre. And so like, I'm just like, I'm shooting everywhere. I'm bombing everywhere. I'm trying to figure everything out. Did anybody else get lost uh, in this like extensively or frustratingly? No, I didn't. I say my total. Oh, what's up? Go ahead, go ahead. I was just gonna say, I, I didn't get lost and this is not a genre I play a lot. So I was also surprised to see people getting lost, but I guess that I know to just, I'm constantly spamming the missiles because you have so many of them by the time you're halfway yeah. through the game. So yeah, I didn't really get lost. And I found that the lifts are usually at a really convenient place that if you just kind of ru- follow the path till you run into the next elevator or transport spot, you, you get where you need to go. Hmm. I got lost maybe a total hour being lost time collectively but that's only because i was playing ahead of myself one like i assume you're getting the spider ball so like there were things there were ways i wasn't naturally going because i was like that's clearly a spider ball route i'm not gonna go there and then i realized that item didn't exist in this game (laughs) and so i stopped playing like i was assuming what (laughs) items were gonna be but it was okay because all my lost time, I was just like missile hunting anyway. Like I was just, I'm the type yeah. of person, Metroid has taught me there's a certain point in the game where it's going to be like, you're going to make it to a boss and you can't backtrack once you get there because of reasons. And if you got like 30 missiles, then you're SOL until you beat this boss. So <laughs> I've, I've, been, I've been trained to be like, no, no, make sure you always have as much many missiles as possible. You never know. When it's gonna be that one boss you can't leave for whatever reason, and you got not enough missiles. But so I have I'll, an interesting thing to say about that in a moment. Uh, but yeah, please continue. Yeah, but I found out, as I think as most people know, that like you're probably over missiled most of the game. So that was a nice change. Yeah. Because I feel like in previous Metroid games, you're always like, God, I need like forty more missiles. Well, you'd be dependent on on whether the boss, like if the boss threw out like projectiles or something that you could blow up to get like refills and stuff. Whereas now in in this version of the game, even though they don't make you use it as much as they did in Samus Returns, you got the parry mechanic. And when you parry, you're going to get rewards. You're going to get your missiles back. And they actually give you, I found, they give you a lot of missiles back when you parry. Like when you parry a boss, they give you like 30 missiles or something. Like they let you really go ham in this game. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, this game's very generous. Uh, a lot of people said it's hard, but compared to other Metroid games, you know, where you're, it's almost like Resident Evil style of inventory management, this game's kind of like yeah. you're always, you know, fully equipped for most situations. Yeah, I think it's hard in different ways. Like, this is a very, like, almost Twitch-based kind of game, more than I think yeah. any of the other Metroid games are. Um, like, the other ones, I feel like it, it did have a lot more resource, or have to do with more resource scarcity and um, juggling what you had. Um, and, and, and like what you thought was coming. Um, whereas with this, it's like, all right, I don't really know what the difference is if I'm firing a charge beam or a missile at an enemy. It, it seems like they both do the same amount of damage. Um, I'm going to keep firing the missiles cause they keep giving to me anyway, but, yeah. um, it was a weird, uh, a weird kind of ebb and flow with like how I used, uh, weapons in that way. 
That's interesting. Like, I, I don't know if this comparison is meaningful or if this is even anything, but when you said that this is kind of more of a Twitch-based game compared to the older games, uh, a, another comparison kind of came to mind, which is the comparison between Dark Souls and Ninja Gaiden. You know, these sorts of things where, like, Metroid Dread is a fast game. Like, Samus is faster than she's ever been. You've got your slide. Obviously, you have your speed booster like you did in previous games, but you use it kind of differently. Um, and it rely like the the entire game is just oh i'm jumping around i'm doing the grappling hook i'm doing the air dashes which we now have you know up to three air dashes you know which is like ridiculous like her mobility is insane in this game uh but yeah i i was very michael did you have anything to say about like about this before i like divert into something else um I'm just going to want to circle back really quick about getting lost. I just wanted to mention it's going to be important how long it took everyone to play. I think it took me about a week and a half to play. I would play every night, maybe an hour or two, uh, and then put it down. And often, when I would pick it back up after one one day of doing whatever, not thinking about Metroid at all, then picking back up, like, oh, shoot. What what was I doing? And then I spent like five minutes trying to figure it out, or I spent thirty minutes running in the wrong direction. And like, oh right, it's supposed to be over here. So I think that plays a lot into the did you get lost? Like some people played it in two sittings. I don't know where everyone else is at on that. But no, I'm glad you brought that up. I mean, I I'm notorious for like one week. I could. You know, I could play every single night, and then the next, like, I may not play for three weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, like, kind of how my cadence with playing games goes. Um, but I was very much in that boat where it was like, okay, I'm going to try playing for two hours, and then it would, I, I'd play for 15 minutes, and I was like, shit, I have to go do something. Yeah. Um, and that would happen, like, time and time again to the point where every time I come back, it was like, I have no idea what <laughs> I'm doing. You know, and look at the mission log, and it's like, all right, uh, I guess I'll, you know, try and piece this together. I was just going to touch on the mission log. Did you guys know about this or consult this at all? So this is this is something I never, ever <coughs> consulted this. I noticed that it was a thing, and then I just ignored it. I did that's consistently, not, that's, but it That is not matter. the Metroid player that I am, but I like that it's there. So, like, I'm definitely a big fan of uh, accessibility in games, whatever shape that that takes. And I think that the idea of having this, hey, here's here's basically a last time on, you know, for what you did. And it's like, okay, you encountered this Emmy in Artaria. You got an Adam briefing in Artaria. I didn't even know that you could go into that. And then it just tells you what he said. Obnoxious little piece of crap. <laughs> hate that guy. Uh, but yeah, so an interesting... What was I going to say? About getting lost. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, I played it uh, in a couple of hour chunks over, I think, like three or four days maybe. I beat the game in around 11 hours, I think, the first time. I played it through a second time on uh, on PC uh, via Yuzu, and I beat it in, I think, like four-plus hours, something like that, the second time. And I, I felt differently after beating it a second time than I did the first time. Uh, certain bosses were easier. Certain bosses were harder, which I thought was interesting. Uh, but um, I... I, I wanted to, to circle back to something that Odell said earlier, which is like getting to a boss and not being able to double back. As somebody who has not played, I, I've played the Prime games. I don't remember how much of one and two and maybe or three I had played. 
Um, I don't remember if I'd beaten any of them because it's been, it, it was literally when they first came out like that I played these. And if there was one that was exclusive to Wii, then I did not play that one. Um, but I also know that the collection came out and it was really expensive and I didn't have a Wii. So I'm hoping that they come to Switch so that I can actually go through them again. Otherwise, I'll just get them on Dolphin or something. Uh, but in Super Metroid, when you get near to a boss area, there aren't that many that you can't leave. So having a lot of these um, one-way passages where backtracking from this certain point was not allowed is something I actually really didn't like about this game uh, because in Super Metroid, uh, you can basically just come and go as you please. Like you can fall down into an area, but it'll just be like a mini area and then you get a power-up that lets you escape. And then that's basically it. But it typically isn't focused on a boss or anything like that. You can typically leave whenever you want and get more power-ups. Uh, and so that was something I was trying to do in this game. And I was kind of frustrated with my inability to explore as thoroughly as I might want to. Uh, until you get like closer to the end of the game and have more power-ups and things like that. Yeah, I kind of felt that way too. Because for the first half of the game, I was trying to explore the areas as thoroughly as I could with what I had. But then when I started to get gated in with these bosses and the second half of the game almost feels like a boss rush with how many bosses there are. I was kind of like, I'm just going to go through and beat the game and then go find everything else. Because I also didn't feel the need to find more missiles because they give you so many and you get like fully restocked before every boss that it kind of felt a little pointless to go missile hunting, except for just completion and solving the puzzles, which is fun in of itself. But in terms of completing the game, I didn't feel the need to go hunting for missiles. So I, because of how that works, getting gated into these boss encounters, I agree with you. I kind of stopped exploring, stopped feeling the incentive to, just because of how the game was kind of guiding me down its path. I think the only thing I was really hurting for at certain parts of the game uh, is like energy tanks. And that's because, uh, like, correct me if I'm wrong, this game is way stingier with energy tanks than it is in previous games and the damage is also tuned pretty high uh like i was actually playing the gold knight boss uh, a few nights ago and i was noting if you get hit he takes an entire energy tank of life away from you so you can only make nine mistakes i hate that guy uh, in that fight which is yeah that guy sucks like on my second playthrough <laughs> i died way more to him than i did anybody else i i died more to eskew which is the flying lightning boss and the gold knight then i did i beat the end boss on the first try on my second playthrough um like it's you know but those bot they just deal so much damage that i really wish that they hadn't and I, i've talked about this on twitter but i really wish that metroid hadn't learned this dumb lesson from zelda of picking up a quarter of a health tank um i really wish that they were just full health tanks um, or that those were reserve tanks like you had in Super Metroid where if you die, if you'd picked up any excess uh, energy when you were at full life, you'd get that much left, uh, which would basically give you like a reprise if you played Deathloop or something like that. Um, so that was that was one of my complaints about that. But I, I do agree. I, I didn't really feel a need to get uh, missiles. What I really wanted was power bomb upgrades and energy tanks. Um, but everything else, I think they give you in your regular kit. So you're not, you don't have to pay attention to how many missiles do I have? How many, you know, X, Y, and Z thing do I have? Yeah. You know, to elaborate on that, and especially what uh, Chris said earlier about this being a Twitch based game, 
you know, it took me a while. I had to unlearn some of the things I've learned from the Metroid series. One, you know, what you're saying about uh, Logan, about not having to explore because they kind of just give you what you need. Because this game really wanted you to play, and I'm pretty sure that's to ease newcomers into it, to play based more off a of skill and not like your kid. Because I'm, um, Brian, you said this on my podcast, you know, this wasn't a DPS race like in other Metroid games. Like, you know, yeah. damage them more than they could damage you. This was more like, really don't get hit. This Metroid play, like, you know, you might as well have three hearts instead of energy tanks up there because getting hit more than a couple times by any boss is going to kill you. So, yeah. and I think that's really what the game wanted you to play like, and uh, you didn't really have a choice because even, because, like, like, just like missiles, after a while, I remember thinking, I have four energy tanks, and I'm, like, halfway through the game. How am I still alive? Four energy tanks halfway through any other Metroid game is like, bro, like, a bee will kill you. Yeah. Yeah. So and actually, yeah, you, you saying that reminds me of something else that I said on your on your podcast, which is uh, bosses in Metroid Dread feel less like Metroid bosses and more like Mega Man bosses. Like you got, it is up to you to learn the patterns and these sorts of things, which you do in in classic Metroid. If you play Super Metroid, like you learn Kraid's patterns. Like he shoots out these things, you jump up, you shoot him in the in the face. He opens his mouth, you shoot him in the mouth. That's the pattern. You try not to get hit. With Ridley, he jumps around. He tries to stab his tail into the ground. You dodge him. You shoot back on him. That's kind of the way that it is. But it's way more forgiving. It's basically just, can you kill them before they kill you? Whereas in Mega Man, it's kind of like, you got to figure out how to fight these people or they are going to kill you. Like like Mega Man 2, Mega Man 3, if you don't learn the boss's patterns, you're dead. And that's the way that Metroid Dread is. Uh, which, like is fine. It's a different style of boss fight. Largely, I think the boss fight, the, the major boss fights in this game, I will say. I think that some of the filler mini boss fights are like, I'm kind of annoyed that I fight so many Chozo Knights yeah. in this game. Um, but I think that other than Eskew, I think that most of the other boss fights are like really good. The Raven Beak fight is awesome. Uh, once I got over my initial... Uh, hump with the experiment i liked that fight um i think that whatever the name of that underwater dude is that fight is like kind of a puzzle boss fight that's really fun the first boss fight is really great like the bosses in this game are pretty great um and it doesn't really bother me that they play out a different way than than previous metroid games because they're good uh and i think that that is the way that it kind of differentiates itself from previous (coughs) entries while still maintaining like a really high level of quality in my opinion, at least. I'm curious to know what everybody else thinks about that. I, I like this direction that that's going, and I prefer these bosses over the previous ones. I feel like... I just... I feel like I'm putting more thought into it rather than do I have enough ammo to pelt this giant blob with enough missiles or whatever. Um, I, I don't know. I just... I find the more puzzle-based boss formulas to to be more interesting and be more fun and once you figure it out it's just i think like you said uh will they kill you before you kill them that whole thing and and that's okay as long as i figured it out how to do it i'll feel accomplished that i killed it before it killed me um one thing that i I just a random thought i always liked in prime where a lot of the bosses would well, they drop an item or they drop whatever next power-up you have, they would utilize that power-up in their boss fight. Like, that's such a cool idea. I'm trying to think if they did that in Dread. I Maybe they did. I can't think of any, but... 
the Emmys kind of did in their encounters, but right, it's yeah. not quite the same. So yeah, and with them, I think you spend so much time just sprinting away from them. Like that is more of your focus instead of like, oh, I have the grapple beam now. I can get to whatever area to try and get away more quickly or whatever. Um, we are definitely going to talk about them. Yeah, I mean that's going to be a whole a whole can of worms, but. Um, no, I definitely agree. Like, I think Prime Prime does a really good job of being like, hey, remember that thing that you got? Like, you go and use it. <laughs> yeah. um, making it, like, very obvious. Whereas with this, it's like, um, the only, and I think it's the only one that we know of, at least, um, and I, it's got to be the only one in the game, I would imagine, because no one's, like, it's been out for, like, almost a month. Um, or, you know, three weeks, whatever. Um, Are you talking about the sequence break thing? The Kraid thing. Where if you get the bomb, I did um, that. By the way, it's really fun. Oh, I bet it looks super fun. But like, I'm surprised that there isn't more of that. And there was a point where you and I, Brian, were talking about this, and that was a complaint that you had. Was you know, it's a, it's a shame, and I think this is one of my biggest problems with it. Is like, it's a shame that the I I wanted to be able to have those opportunities to be able to explore and um and build out my kit early on and be like all right I'm ready to go like I'm ready to mess these people up, um and I think the linearity of it and the the level design of it and granted it's been a long time since I've played a proper like Metroid Metroid game, um but I think I got in my own way uh, when trying to enjoy the game that I thought I was getting um, if that makes any sense. Um, like I wanted to be able to have those power ups early on, and and you know the, it's almost like a meme at this point. But like the, the power bombs, like when you pick them up and it's like, oh, you have a resource, but you can't use it yet. Like, it's such so, a fun fact. On my second playthrough, I got I think four or five of those that I could not use. Yeah, I probably had about the same amount, um, until I finally got it, and then it, like when you get it, it's the end of the game, and it's like, okay. Like, I mean, I can use it, sure, but yeah. <laughs> it would have been cool to use it earlier. Yeah, I think I think the bosses are really, really great in Dread. I understand where, where you guys are coming from saying that, you know, not being able to use Samus's full abilities is a little disappointing, and most of the time it does come down to, okay, I need to, I need to just outlast this thing until I can hit the counter button. But I think what's cool about that is if Samus is this badass that we all think she is, the bosses in this game are the best example of that that I've ever seen, I think, in the Metroid series. Because when you are getting beat, it looks really ugly. Like, when I, when you fight Ravenbeak, like, some of those <laughs> some of those runs last, like, ten seconds, and they're just over. But when you I feel like everyone, it, that first run, it's like, you just get pummeled. Yeah. <laughs> like, you're in the wall, like, what the hell is happening to me? But if, yeah. when you figure it out, though, it doesn't actually take that long. And then if right. you just saved the clip of your run where you actually beat it, you look awesome because you figured out the patterns and now you can take these things down no problem. So I think it's very successful it's like Super in Meat making Boy you or feel... Hotline Miami. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think it makes you feel awesome. I think it makes Samus look awesome. Uh, I think that the the experiment... Although Samus doesn't need help looking no, awesome. <laughs> she doesn't. But like the, the experiment boss fight, is that what it's called? The, the giant X yeah. thing? Yeah, 57, I think. I love it's like experiment Z something. I'll look it up. I love that fight. And there's one thing you can do. There's that counter move where you can slide up on its like tentacle and get this huge QTE thing and deal a ton of damage to it. But you don't even need to do that to kill the boss. Cause I did that. I was talking to my friend about it and they're like, Oh, I didn't even do that. And I still killed it. And it's like, that's so cool. How yeah. many of those did I miss against other bosses in the game? Just these, these really cool quick time event moments 
quick time events get a bad rap. I've never hated them. I think they lead to some cool cutscenes. <laughs> Maybe that's because I like 3D Sonic games, whatever. But yeah, so I really like we're the gonna have to, this game. We're going to have to have you back on a, a podcast dedicated <laughs> exclusively to picking that statement apart. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> QTEs are so, fine. They're not bad. So, uh, yeah. uh, I don't know. Has anyone else here played Other M? Some of it, yeah. I have not. I played some of it when it came uh, out. It's okay. been a long time. So uh, the reason I really like these bosses is because this type of boss style was introduced in Other M. If you play it fully, like if you were to play Other M now, and just sh- strictly speaking on the bosses, you'll be like, oh, oh, you, you will see the similarities immediately. Oh, wow. And, um, hmm. and, the, and the, the cool thing I think about, you know, clearly Dread, I think, was here to, to marry the bridge between long-term fans and people who never played the series and did it wonderfully. But uh, the thing I think what uh, other M did besides these type of dread boss styles, it had it had boss fights of classical Metroid, like of what you would expect to just shoot, 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 blast, 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 blast. There's 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 real no learning it. It's just kind of just dodge the bullet hell more or less. And it had the boss types of this. And what I think that's probably Metroid at its best in terms of boss battle when it has both styles. When you're able yeah. to see both of those, I'm not. I don't. I don't have a problem with any of the bosses in Dread. Like you know, I don't. If there was like, this is not like. Oh, I hate this type of boss. But I just think, you know, going forward, if we continue this, I hope we see both styles integrated, or even like a, maybe a slightly variant twist. Because if you look at the bosses throughout the series, like you know, they they're all kind of different, especially two being just you know, the same boss over and over. One being just dated, so I can't really claim that but like if you look at how you fought bosses in fusion how you fought them in super how you fought them from metroid prime to metroid prime 2 and then again in metroid prime 3 you know they're always kind of different so i always respect the series for that it's never just except i say well dread's different in the sense that you didn't need to have missiles you didn't because in the previous games i think all of them if you didn't go out of the way to find missiles you were you were in for a bad time <laughs> yeah no joke uh, I, I, it is interesting. You were, you were talking about, uh, marrying like the old boss style and the new boss style. There are actually a few bosses, uh, in the game that don't require you to do parries at all. I was just looking this one up, but the boss that you get cross bombs from, which is, uh, I think called Golzuna, uh, in Berenia, I think in the kind of grassy swampy area with the mushrooms, uh, basically the boss that transforms three times and then turns into an X. Uh, and then gives you the cross bomb upgrade. You don't parry that at all. That is a very traditional uh, Metroid boss fight, other than the fact that it transforms three times. But um, like it is just, it's only weak from behind, jump over it, shoot it from behind, and then it's going to turn around, and then you just jump over it and shoot it from behind. Like It's, it's, it's pretty classic. And then you have enemies like, like Ravenbeak, where if you're not parrying, you're probably dead. Um, you know, which is which is cool. And uh, and one thing I will say about the parry mechanic, as somebody who liked Metroid Samus Returns on 3DS when it came out, I think if I had to score it, I actually was going to be doing the review for uh, Nintendo, and then I think something happened where I couldn't do it. Uh, but I ended up playing it uh, basically towards that end anyway. Uh, I think I would have given it like maybe a 7.5 or something like that. Like, it was good. It just like... They forced you to, they really force fed you the parry mechanic and they didn't let you do a lot without it. Um, Like they really made it advantageous to do that basically constantly. And one of the things that I think is to Mercury Steam's great credit with Dread is I think that basically everything 
that Metroid Fusion did that was obnoxious and that Samus Returns did that was obnoxious, uh, whether it be the Adam discourse in Fusion or whether it be the kind of forced parry engagement in this game uh, is way better in Dread. Uh, they incorporated that as a way, like if you just did the parry uh, button as you were moving, you would do a lot of damage and just straight up kill a lot of enemies, which made it so that you could basically just use your parry outside of the parry window and just use it as like a melee attack, which is way, 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 way better. Um, so, I mean, huge kudos because the step up from Samus Returns to this is kind of ridiculous. And it just feels better on a Switch controller. Like, doing all that parrying on a 3DS is tough. It's tough on that tiny hand. It's it's really cramped, yeah. And if I'd like to speak to the the Adam thing you just mentioned for a second, because I think that is the thing I admire the most about Metroid Dread, is not even just Nintendo, or not just Metroid, but Nintendo in general, I feel like for the last 10 years has been so afraid for players to get stuck or lost that they just have created the most hand-holdy games that, that we've ever seen from them. The Switch has started to turn that around, right, with things like Breath of the Wild. But to, to yeah. have this Metroid game where the map is there for you, but only if you figure out how to use it, that log is there for you, but it never forces you down that way. Adam only talks to you when you get to those rooms. He's not constantly in your ear putting an objective marker on the next place to go, like in Fusion. I love that this yeah. game, if you can ignore all of that and play this like a classic game and find everything for yourself... But then there are those tools for you, too, if you need help to kind of help seek out where to go. So I love that this game is hard and it's not afraid to let people get lost because that's something I feel like Nintendo had gotten away from. And to see them kind of get back to that is something that I really like. Yeah, which is interesting because I feel like uh, that is something that is very almost like a signature of their early games, like the early successes of Nintendo, The Legend of Zelda the original Metroid, you know, even to an extent like Mario, like Mario doesn't tutorialize you at all. Like it does through the game, but it's through clever design that it's like, Hey, this is probably what you should be doing. Uh, and that's way more simple than, you know, Metroid or Zelda, but like that open nature, that kind of, Hey, poke around and see what you can find is something that is very Nintendo in a way that I don't think any major publisher is or has been. And so it's it's awesome to see them come back uh, to that with Breath of the Wild and to a lesser extent with this because this is way more linear than Breath of the Wild where yeah. you can just basically do whatever you want. I, I would love to see a Metroid game where that was as free and open as Breath of the Wild. And maybe we'll get one someday because people seem to like this. And I, I think they've said like they want the Metroid franchise to continue. Um, well, no I'm sure they guys. do now. Yeah. yeah. It's it sold yeah. sold uh, allegedly way too well for them not to. Allegedly. <laughs> I mean, you should. I mean, anytime Nintendo mentions Metroid Prime 4, people like backflip off the wall. <laughs> they should know. <laughs> Myself included. I'm excited. I, I'm excited. They better put the freaking trilogy on Switch before 4 comes out because people like me need to play it. Come on. I'm convinced that will be the uh, that will be the game that releases whenever a Switch Pro comes out two, three years from now, or when, whenever they, they drop it. It'll be like, oh, and by the way, it's here. Oh, oh, and one more thing. Yeah. Uh, let's see, let's see, let's see. What else do we want to talk about? Did anybody have any other thoughts about bosses before we continued? Nah, they're dope. 
I, yeah, they're, I they're fun as hell. QTEs, I mean, they they don't hurt nothing. The, the thing is, they well, were good, and then every game just overdid it because it was so good, but they, they don't hurt nobody. Well, so, that and the I way mean, that they do it in this game is awesome, like Logan said. Like, the fact that you, you can go and not see it and have no idea it's there, but when you do discover it, be like, oh, yeah, <laughs> I did the so, thing. A couple of things about this. One, yes, on my second playthrough, the first boss, I never saw that QTE. And actually, speedrunners don't trigger them in some fights. Um, like the first boss fight, you just ignore the parry and just shoot him in the head while he's invisible, which is cool. Like that's another cool thing. Two, the cutscenes make Samus look so fucking awesome. Uh, like the ending cutscenes, and this is something that, that we've talked about. One of the things, and you know, we, I don't, we don't need to talk about the Kotaku article, uh, but we can if we want to. Uh, but Samus is so cool, confident, and collected. And I've said this before. She is, this is just another day in the office. I'm the baddest bounty hunter in the galaxy. These bosses are tough to you, the player, but to me, this is nothing. Like, I've beaten way harder people. Did you know I killed Mother Brain twice? <laughs> Do you know, how many times have I beaten Ridley? He's the baddest dragon out here in the cosmos. Come on. This is nothing to me. Uh, and she lets you feel it. When she's, you know, when she does that, like, I'm not even going to look. I'm just going to charge beam, and then I'm going to jump through this hoop, and then I'm just going to look like a certified badass. Or the Kraid kill sequence. The Kraid, the Kraid <laughs> opening sequence for me is the one that did it, where she, you know, he's, like, chained up, and he's, ah, like, freaking out. And she just has the, the charge beam off to her side and just blasts him in the face, like, bitch, yeah. do you know how many times I've beaten you? Like, come on. <laughs> yeah. yeah. By the way... I, I love Kraid. This is the best Kraid boss fight I've ever done. No, nah, I agree. It was uh, really good. It's so cool. Yeah, it's uh, really fun. The sequence break secret is really fun. But yeah. Um, another thing. What was I going to say about that? Oh, about the, about the cutscenes. I do have one gripe with the QTEs. Uh, one, we really did go away from that. God of War was like the most... QTEs per square inch of any game. It was just all over the place. And then they kind of disappeared. I think largely because people didn't like that. I don't know why they disappeared. I found like, I felt like when I found them in this game, I was like, isn't this settled law? Didn't we like actually like, you know, have like the United States versus QTEs court case back in the day? <laughs> um, but one, well, this was made in one Spain, problem so I had with it. didn't it. count for that. Ah, God. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's a good point. Uh, but one problem that I had with them is some cinematics had QTEs in them and some didn't. So sometimes I was just like, okay, this is establishing that we're going into a different phase. For example, Raven Beak, phase one to two, phase two to three, and then the ending, none of those, well, did none of those have QTEs? Phase one to two didn't have any. There's some that you can do to trigger them like where you, you do a parry in the middle of a boss fight and like depending on where you are health-wise, it'll initiate like a QTE sequence based on your parry. But sometimes if you deal enough damage and it, it's triggering a cinematic, you don't have to do anything and then sometimes you do. And so I found that a little bit aggravating because it wasn't consistent. Um, and if a, if a game is going to give me these things, I want it to be consistent so that I know I can relax now or no, I can't relax. This is going to boot me out of the QTE and then I'm going to have to do this again. 
Uh, so that's the only real problem I have with them. When There are sections of the game, though, where they are more consistent, and I was totally fine with that. Like, if I know I still need to be paying attention, this is cinematic, but don't put your controller down or take a sip of water, like, because you're going to die. Uh, then, like, I'm fine with that. But that was, like, my one thing where I was like, ah, we could have tweaked this to make it a little bit better. Um, yeah, I think that um, whether people like the QTEs are, is based on the punishment that goes along with it. If it's, you know, you just have to kind of wait another 10 seconds to trigger it again, then it's no problem. But sometimes if it's... I don't think there's any instant deaths in this game. Uh, but, well, okay, besides the... the, the We're going to be talking about that. The, the Evil 7 or whatever. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, I think if it's just a little minor inconvenience, that's not a problem. But if you have to, like, redo a whole section again, that's when... That, that's when I wish there was something else. Um, I don't know why, but Resident Evil comes to mind. The, like, 5 and 6... Like you mess one of those up, you're starting all the way over here, and like that kind of stuff sucks. I'm glad that that's not here, and I think that's why I'm okay with with them in Dread. Hmm. I think the last thing I want to say about yeah. bosses before we move on from it is that the the only thing that keeps me from saying this game is is a ten for me is how many there are in the back half. Just how many Chozo soldiers or robot Chozo soldiers you fight. And then when you're finally making the ascent up to Ravenbeak and you have to fight that gold one, it's just like, come on, man. Like, it's it's just a few too many for me that are the same. So that's really my biggest yeah. problem with the whole the game as a whole. It starts to feel, like, a little bit padded. It's like, do yes. they really need to be here? Or yeah. is it just here because we want it to be? But, you know, I think it actually <laughs> goes with the story a little bit because I'm sure we'll get into this, but... Samus keeps getting stronger and stronger and stronger. And I think some of those soldiers, if I'm remembering correctly, I think they get a little bit easier. I know that like, you get the, the red and the blue and the gold and the gold's harder, but like you know the patterns, you know what to do generally, and it's an easier fight. And I think that's supposed to go with, with that feeling of, you know, you're growing into this thing. I- I would agree with you, except the like bile spit move deals so much damage. Like, like even like when I you li- get the gravity suit, like it's yes. still you get hit with it. It's like Jesus, like there's half my health. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and 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 I think that 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 kind of goes into and I I do agree. Like the empowerment is real, and especially when the QTE where you're where you're like pulling open their like ex parasite mouth and firing a bunch of missiles into it gets replaced with the I'm a metroid I'm going to fucking absorb your life essence and just kill you now that's incredibly cool and very badass but you have to do like what four of these fights at least uh like I think what I think it would have been better if they cut them in half and you did like two and you did one and it was really hard because you didn't know the fight and then later on maybe there's they like amp it up a little bit cuz like there's there's one of them where uh you can blow up their shield uh or you can parry their shield and you can destroy it and then they fight like a regular one the first one you fight doesn't even have a shield um and then the gold one you can't destroy the shield but you can grapple it away from him um and so like they they're like just tiny minor tweaks but their move set is basically the same other than like a shield push or something um, and then, yeah, the robot fights, like you fight, I think three of, you fight one by itself, then you fight a pair and then you fight another pair. And it's like, just take like one of those out. 
Yeah. Just yeah. take like one of those out. Take one of the one of the Kozo soldiers at the end. Like take the blue one or the red one away, or the blue one and the red one, and just have like the plain one, and the gold one. Is it Kozo? Something like that. It just. Or is it Chozo? That's how Never I've been know. saying it since back in the day. You've they been saying it, Kozo, for that long? Yes, the whole how time. How have we the, never I, talked about this? I mean, I don't know, man. Wow. You think you know a guy. Five years I've known this man. I've never <laughs> heard him say is, that. The funny thing is I said it earlier in this episode and I said Chozo. I, I betrayed myself. I was going to let you have it. I was going to let you have it. <laughs> I was like, oh, man, he must have misspoke. There's no way. Surely he didn't, didn't mean know, to say Chozo. I didn't know how he said it. <laughs> I mean, there's voice acting in this game, and they say Chozo. Okay. I just never grew up saying it that way. <laughs> That's like in Pokemon. You, I was learning how to How do you say the planet, the planet that she goes to in Super Metroid? How do you guys say that? Zebus. <laughs> yeah, I always said Zebus. I used to say Zebes when it was a, I, just a yeah, stage when I, and smash. <laughs> I was going to say, I said Zebes until it became canonically, phonetically, everyone else said Zebus, so I was like, I ain't going to question it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I sounded so dumb. <laughs> I had no idea. So, no, I, I'm so, I, said, so I said Zebs. Oh, oh, I've never heard Because that. I'm a crazy person. <laughs> no. <laughs> or I said Zebes. It went back and forth. Because it's text, and you're reading it. When you hear somebody mispronounce something, it's because they read it. So don't don't think less of them because they read. Oh, yeah, it. I said Rayquaza for like a decade, till I saw the. I said, I said fatigue instead of fatigue. fatigue. <laughs> oh well, that, I mean that makes sense if you. I was I was a little kid. I didn't know. Yeah, I love Pokemon names because it's like until you go somewhere, you talk to a friend. It's like it's like my my biggest one was like Lugia or Lugaya, and it'll be like. What, what is a Lugia? <laughs> or, or Lugia? <laughs> or Lugia? Yeah, I'm like, what? It's it's Lugia, and like, like I remember like schoolyard debates where it was like, bro, pick your side, and we're all, we're all gonna sell this at 3 p.m. <laughs> Have you seen Did Pokemon you? the movie 2000? Come on! Exactly. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, Monster Hunter. So I, like I that too. lived. So I lived in Asia when Gold and Silver came out. So I always said Ho, but did you guys know anybody that said who? For the Firebird? <laughs> no. 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 <laughs> I would I not be I mean, that I'm person's just... friend. <laughs> hey, you know, we've all, we all know somebody. <laughs> so I, I always said Rayquaza. Is that what it no, is? I, yeah, it is. I always said Rayquaza, and then I realized okay. I was wrong. That's not that, that's not that bad, bad, though. Yeah. yeah, that's pretty close. Yeah, it, It's cool you, when you think you say it crazy, but then the other person says it the way you say it. You're like, all right. Yeah, all right. Yeah, I know what I'm We're doing getting here. somewhere. Game journalist here, baby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but we all we can all agree on one thing, which is that is it's uh, it's pronounced Bulbasaur, right? The <laughs> oh. the grass starter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We all we all agree on that. Okay, moving on. <clears throat> uh, we we touched on Adam, so I want to talk about that for a little bit because I played through the game a second time. I will say I still. I wish they didn't make you stop in the network room like they did in Fusion. I wish you could just like walk through and ignore him instead of having to check in with him and then just click through as fast as you could. Um, yeah, they lock you in there. Like They lock you in. They don't let you proceed in, until you talk to him, which is just how it is in Fusion. He just doesn't point out on the map where you need to go next. That's really effectively the only difference. And a lot of the times, the stuff that he tells you is shit that you already figured out by just playing the game. Uh, which I found a bit obnoxious. Uh, at certain points in the game, he gives you like 
some exposition like, hey, this planet looks like it was, you know, a Kozo planet or something like that. All, you know, he, he gives you, I'm, I'm committing to it. I saw that look, Michael. I'm committing to it. Oof. You guys can join me or you can go your own way. But I'm, I, this is, I'm sunk cost fallacy into this pronunciation. Uh, but yeah, like there, there are times when he gives you information that you wouldn't get otherwise. And in that, uh, in those moments, I think that he's serving a valuable function. Uh, because Samus, I think, only says one sentence or two sentences in the entire thing, and it's to Quiet Robe, and it's in the Kozo language. So we don't even really get a whole lot from her. Uh, the only real info we get is from Ravenbeak and Adam, which, fun fact, are basically the same person Whoa. this whole time. Uh, which I do want to revisit this because that doesn't make a lot of sense to me on revisit. And I want to kind of pick each of your brains on that. Um, but I was, until I got that twist late in the game, I was really annoyed with the fact that they set up, uh, when Adam is talking to Samus at the beginning of the game, when she's on the elevator leading down in the first cutscene, um, he says, hey, the reception is spotty. We're probably not going to be able to talk. Patch into like a network station and see if we can communicate through there. And I thought, ugh. You beautiful bastards. You had a perfect reason for us to not have Adam in this game, and then you didn't do it. And I was kind of annoyed with that. Um, but what did all of you think? I like Adam. I like... Okay, so I... Okay, I don't care about Adam specifically, but I do like this this room, this moment of quiet, of solace, of peace that you get when... Um, I don't know. Okay. Metroid series. When I think of the Metroid series, I think of classic gameplay, Metroidvania type stuff, but I also think of the atmosphere that Metroid brings, and that's usually an atmosphere yes. of isolation, of unknown, yes. of... I'm trying to avoid the word dread, but, like, it's it's got a specific Foreboding. Feeling. Yeah. And so when you get to these rooms, it's like, okay, I can relax, I can be at peace, and... I can get like this update from my friend, something I don't have anywhere else in this entire planet. So I always took those moments in as like a, just a place to breathe and listen to this. They never really have a soothing voice, but like just a familiar voice, I guess. <laughs> a familiar robotic <laughs> yeah. voice. Something like that. That's, that's a really interesting point that's the, you're the first person that i've heard make this argument the reason one of the reasons why i really don't like adam is because it interrupts that feeling of loneliness and solitude that i so strongly associate with metroid and so it felt like oh okay this isn't a lonely experience because there's this dude trying to talk my ear off all the time viewing them as like little kind of like coming up for air moments in the rest of a game that is that way is an interesting perspective I had not thought of. Yeah, because otherwise, the only real breaks that you have are when you're <laughs> you're so lost, which it didn't sound like you had a lot of those, and you're just going around trying to gather resources. So, like, if you're just, like, powering through this, you're basically just sprinting through these shooting sections. I, I guess so, but another, another thing is, like, if you, if you have played the intro to super metroid once she lands on the planet uh 
on the planet. It's like a very, there's a rain. It's very quiet. There's no music. There's thunder cracking when she goes underground. It's very like quiet and kind of echoey. And you still hear the lightning and thunder in the distance. It's very atmospheric in a way that like, I never really felt dread was atmospheric. I would agree uh, with it that. Just, um, which I, I think is, is, and that's a really hard thing to do. I think to like cultivate a, simultaneously a sense of place and a really powerful atmosphere. I mean, Super Metroid is, I think, one of the best games to do that. I think Hollow Knight also does that really well. There are other games that do it, but atmosphere is something that's like, it's, it, it must be tricky because it feels like it gets missed so often. How much of it do you think... Oh, go ahead, Logan. Oh, thanks. I thought, there, I thought there were a couple times that the atmosphere was really nice in Dread. I think that the kind of establishing shots when you get off like the, the train lift and the camera kind of pans into the area you're about to enter and like the rain is just mm. pounding down. I thought those moments were really cool. And then I thought the coolest moment of kind of foreboding atmosphere was when you unleash the X parasite and they're all just flying out of that area and you're heading back oh, to the train yeah. too. That was an outstanding moment that I thought was really immersed me in that space. But otherwise, yeah, I didn't quite feel the atmosphere that the series is known for. I think my favorite moment, I think, is when you get to, I think it's Ferenia, whichever one is the Kozo stronghold and you see that things are falling apart. Like, that was the moment to me where I was like, okay, this was a once glorious civilization that is past its prime and things are not going well here. And originally, when, when we walked through that area, I actually saw a suit of armor that, like, collapsed onto yeah. the floor. And I was like, you sons of bitches, are there Metroids here that have been sucking people dry, like, in Super Metroid? Like, I was so excited. And then that's not true at all. But there is something equally terrifying here or like when they're uh, experimenting on that big boss that's dead on the ground and they're like zapping his chest yeah. that's cool too some of the background stuff is really cool yes i feel like they do a lot more of that than what you just said brian where it's like it's less interactive i guess is the way to put it um yeah. like it, it's a lot of you enter enter a scene there's a beautiful vista behind you where there's something going on whether it's like the spiral you know, that lava tornado thing that's happening. It's yeah. a drill or whatever it is, but... Or um, the invisible boss splashing through the water, scaring the little alien right. deer or something. Like, yeah. it's more you're watching... I think it's two things. One of them is you're watching something happen versus you're interacting with it. Um, this game has it, but Super Metroid, you know, when you go into that glass cylinder and it's like, wonder yeah. if I just bomb here, like... Uh, spoilers, if you've never, you know, played Super <laughs> Metroid and seen that. Um, but it... It, there's there's two I think there's too few of those to make like really draw you in but when they do happen it's like oh shit this is really cool um, yeah I think the other thing too is and I feel like I've been dunking on this game and I'm not like I, I genuinely really loved this game um, but I, when I was on Odell's show I dunked on that game for a really long time and then said <laughs> it was maybe my second favorite Metroid game yeah so yeah. it's like it's it's gonna happen yeah <laughs> But I think uh, a game like Super Metroid, they leave a lot of it up to your interpretation. Like something happens and you're kind of piecing the story together just based on whatever the sprites, you know, whatever way they're moving or whatever. Um, you get that opening sequence where it's like, you know, the, with the last Metroid's been captured and all that. And that's pretty much it. Um, yeah. This game, it's like, you know, you have Ravenbeak and you meet um, the Chozo guy that... Quiet robe. Quiet robe, you know, and, and he gives you... And he, I think his scene is probably one of the best moments of the whole game. Um, when yeah, he finally, really like, parts the kimono and, like, tells you everything that's going on. Um, 
that uh, I think what what stunk with that is like they gave it to you all at once. Um, yeah. Or, or they there wasn't more of that because I thought that was probably my favorite moment the whole game. Um, but those little things that kind of set the tone oh, man. for where you were at. Um, I just had a really interesting idea. What if they what if they had Quiet Robe contact you through the network centers earlier in the game to kind of seed the idea that Adam wasn't the only person that could contact you there? And then the and then the Raven Beak ending happens and you're like, fuck, I knew it. That would have been cool. Alright. Yeah. So I'm about to blow y'all my here we go. <gasps> I'm so, ready. So me me as a person, just to talk about the main topic here, is um I hate personally games where 99.9% of the story you have to basically go to Google and figure out like I, I don't like that like mm. I don't want to play a game from beginning to end and be like Ugh. I don't know what I was doing here <laughs> I was a guy I killed some things was I good was I I don't know like <laughs> I, I hate that like I can't it because to me it feels like it feels like hey I went to my neighbor's house and we played like sticking a hoop what was the point of the game I don't know he had a stick I had a hoop and then at some point we were done <laughs> like to me as a so, so, so I take it you do not like the Souls games at all. Nah, not not like it's it's not it's not my favorite type of storyteller. But I do appreciate games where it is there. Like for example, Metroid Prime, you could miss literally ninety percent of the story if you do not want to read, if you do not want to scan. You will get maybe even less of the story than that, but it's there. Like it's legit there from A to Z. You can fully. There might be key moments you miss, but you can get it there if you seek it out. And so. I like the little come up for air moments where it's like, okay, here's a little exposition. Here's a little about the information. Because to me, it gives me a little like, okay, I'm not just running randomly into the void. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, it's a Metro game. So I know, ultimately, if I get it at the end, I will get it. So I appreciate the Adam moments. And uh, they're not as, in, and I, you know, compared to Fusion, they're not as heavy-handed. Plus, Samus has this real PTSD with the name Adam. Like, I, like, I get it, girl. You loved him. Or, you know, plutonically loved him. I'm not sure romantically. He betrayed you, but you made up for it and, like, let it go. Like, Steve, I, I don't know. Just <laughs> stop using the Just name. rename the AI. Come on. So, or model here, it on somebody else. Here's the interesting Get a Cortana. Thing. So if you play all the Metris game, other than whatever, you know, Adam, Adam's going to betray you at some point. So I'm thinking, like, when it's like, hello, lady, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, what's up, Adam? How you going to be a bitch today? <laughs> you, you woke up, how you feeling? <laughs> bones, no bones? You know, what's up? <laughs> but they cannot take the computer thing out of it. One, because, you know, Adam gets, quote, unquote, more erratic as time goes on. You know, you can kind of see it. But if you pay attention, and Brian, shame you for not catching on your second playthrough. You know, Adam always addresses Samus as lady. And the second you check in on ZDR, he immediately doesn't address you as lady no more. I knew, I recognized that wow. on my first playthrough, but... On my second playthrough, one of the things that I noticed is he gives Samus a lot of information, and I'm like, why are you telling her this? Like, there's a lot of stuff. Like, playing through the game a second time, knowing that it's... Well, first first of all, let let me ask. Do you... Do any of you think at any point that is the real Adam talking to her? Because my, my impression was it was Adam for a while, and then it got hijacked towards the end. So that it was only... Uh, it was in, only Raven Beak in, in like maybe the last like two or three. Yeah. Or something. No, I mean, based off that, I believe it was Raven Beak the whole time. Yeah, I think and once I she think got all, be, yeah. after yeah. the sequence and once she was on the planet, like it, because uh, I mean, his motivations are leading her through. 
I mean, yes, he wanted to survive and stuff, but I really feel like it was him just from the onslaught. Like, Adam was shooting his word, like, I really have no signal. I can't really connect to you. You can try to do this when you get on the planet, but based off his mannerisms and the fact that he, like, if he would address her as lady, like, the first three times, or, like, I can, but he never addresses her lady the second. After she encounters Raven It's Samus. Yeah. Yeah. It's Samus the whole time. Yeah. Why, why is it not sitting well with you, Bri? Like, what? It's, it's, so, I mean, unless you, unless the point of this game is literally just She's baited to the planet by Ravenbeak. He sticks her in like a hamster maze and then just makes her run around until she gets all buff. And that's like the plot. And that's his plan. Like, it doesn't make sense for Ravenbeak to give her the information that he... Like, I'm playing through it again and it's like, oh, like at a certain point, it's like, oh, this looks like this might be based on what you found. uh, You know, this was a Kozo civilization, but it... We're not quite sure the identity of your assailant. But then after a while, it's just like, oh yeah, we. it looks like the identity of your assailant was a member of this tribe, a warrior tribe, uh, you know, of something like that. And it's just like, why are you telling her this? This doesn't serve your purpose of making her stronger. And I, I went through it and I was like, if you're trying to like, and he's just like, oh, definitely run from the Emmy because you can't survive or anything like that. And it's just like, but if you want to harvest the DNA from her, like why are you telling her to run? No, uh, like, it just there was just things that were just at cross purposes. Were, were, wasn't he waiting for her Metroid DNA to fully awaken, like it does at the yeah. end? Yeah. Was he, or yeah, was he trying it, to it, harvest the DNA yeah, from the her point. now? Think, think of it like any you know horrible universe where you have powers and it's like, hey little kid, awaken your powers. I can't. I don't know how to use them. Okay, you know I'm gonna you know beat up your parents or like you know kill your friends it's, it's the same type of situation he's putting her in super stressful environments with the idea that i need you to awaken this power so you know i can use you as this tool of war yeah which is totally fine like if this is just a super saiyan 2 gohan and cell situation i understand that but cell didn't go around like being like hey you know i was invented by dr Giro for the express purpose of destroying goku <laughs> And you, like, I mean, he, he had to give her a purpose. Ex- I mean, she wasn't just going to be like, oh, okay. Like, I mean, I, I like, imagine. you got to escape the planet anyway. Like, you, you're trying to get out. Like, I, 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 I don't think, know. It just. I think the point is, like, he is such a strong war. And this is just my interpretation. Such a strong warrior type that he's trying to buff her up. He's trying to awaken the, the Metroid DNA in her. Um, and the way that I took it, it was kind of, and this is like kind of a stretch in the event that she does get captured by the Emmy. Like he's still getting a Samus clone at the end. Anyway, like he can still just do so, it again. So the Emmys are, are plan B. He wants, that was kind of how I took it and then just have it be her, but he's got a backup plan. Right. And that's where it starts to fall apart a little bit is like, well, if you want her to power up and make it up to you, why do you have seven insta-kill robots roaming around? <laughs> but I guess that yeah. you can pull threads at anything. You can say, well, why does Ganondorf hide keys and items all around these dungeons? Right. That like, at the be? end of the day, it's a Nintendo yeah, game. Wait, game. wait, hold on. <laughs> wait, wait a second. 
Logan, you just said something outrageous and we need to dig into it. Do you think that Ganon is going into all of the, like the forest temple okay, and well, hiding Ganon specifically for Link to find? <laughs> but why is it that all of these dungeons that are all led by these people who serve Ganon have the way to unravel them and the keys just in random boxes throughout. It doesn't make sense. I don't care. And that, that, and that one item that could just, you know, fail them. It's like, just remove the hookshot from the house and it's, you can't win. It's over. Just destroy yeah, it. I, 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 mean, yeah. I think we're just feeding it to Dongo Dongo and that's it. Yeah. 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 No, this I, is my headcanon now. I mean, it's not like Raven Beak's like, okay, she's going to die at this boss a couple of times, but you know, there's a save station, so <laughs> she's going to be all right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It is, it's not Bioshock. Yeah. Um, yeah, you yeah. know, in, in reality, this is all one fluid motion. There's no deaths. There's no, you know. Yeah, she never failed. She just. Won. I'm not getting caught by the Emmys 900 times you know, <laughs> yeah, each yeah. time I encounter one. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I just want to say this. I know we're gonna, I was going to save it for story wise, but what I thought was real sketch, especially at the beginning, I'm like, whoa, whoa, hold up here, hold up here, because no one's really talking about it, like I've been talking about it. Galactic Federation has seven robots that can go toe-to-toe with Samus. <laughs> this whole way, no, 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 let's talk about that. Let's talk about that. The, what, what was these for? What was these for, Galactic Federation? You're telling me all these situations, all the, all the near-death experiences to the galaxy, y'all didn't have a use of these robots? Nah, hold up. We, we need to have a conversation about undestructanium. My armor ain't even made out of this, but y'all got enough of this for seven? Nah. And not only that, they're not going to give her a suit that's made out of it in the very beginning of the game. <laughs> like, nah, send her to this planet with these robots that we can't contact. They're like, oh, she's just going to lose everything mean, anyway, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. Let, me, let me just say, even if her suit was made out of uh, adamantium, uh, as we've established with the first Emmy, Raven Beat can destroy that shit. That's not a problem for him. Oh yeah, I mean, because that I mean, first like half destroyed Emmy, that was it Raven wouldn't have hurt, is what we're saying. <laughs> <laughs> Probably would not. I, have hurt. I mean, the Chozo but, are still you know the most advanced civilization Chozo. to ever do the damn thing. So I would imagine anything the Galactic Federation made, they'd be like, Psh, I did this as you know, age twelve, or you know something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's just sketch to me. It, it, <laughs> we'll it, we'll it, get into the. We'll get into the Federation. I, I want to have a section towards the end of the show where we like get into like what could come next. And Odell, I really want you to go off on the Federation stuff. All right. Uh, but uh, as for as for that whole Adam thing, that's that's basically what it was for me. But I do think that having it be the way that it was, I do still think this is a pretty big improvement over Fusion uh, and how they did things there. Um. So yeah, there's that. Let's talk about Emmys. (laughs) Because this shit had me raging so hard. Dude, I followed your tweets, Uh, your your Twitter journey on this game, and you you hated those (laughs) things so much at the start. (laughs) Uh, yeah. They're, they are... Man... If if the only change that you made to this game was that the Emmys did not exist, uh, this game would be like a nine or ten to me. As it stands, it's like a seven or eight. Uh, but they are so bad. Introducing instant fail, instant death, instant game over mechanics to any game is, in my opinion, as a games critic that has reviewed. 
potentially hundreds of games. I lost track, but it's always a bad decision. Don't have instant fail, instant game over mechanics in your game. Give your players a way to get out of it. There are a lot of changes I want to talk about. I've got, I've got like a list of like four or five things that we could have done to the Emmys to make them a better experience overall. They did give you a but way I just to get want to take the, I, I, well, we're going to talk about that. It's impossible. Uh, but I, I, I quickly want to take the temperature of everybody in the room. How did you feel about the Emmys as a whole? And were there any like notable things that you wanted to talk about? Chris, what you got? Um, my first encounter with them, I was like, this is cool. Like, this is different. It's creating this sense of urgency that I'm not used to in Metroid. And I like that. Um, and then I kept playing the game. Um, and it, it, you know, it's like what we've been saying. Like, I, I, I wish, I don't know how you balance it where it's like you, you don't make it so predictable predictable in that it's like, okay, I got called by this thing. I got to wait for the thing to flash and I'm going to hit a button and then I'm going to go. Like, I get why they did it this way in that they wanted to make it, like, they wanted you to continue to uh, dread over the fact that these things are here. Um, and that, like, you're you're not going to be able to overcome them. And it's rare for that to happen in in a Metroid game, um, in any game, really, where it's like, no, this thing is going to get you. Um, I get the uh, idea. I don't think, I don't like the execution. Um, I think, I don't, I don't think I hated it as much as you did. Um, but I, I do wish it was a little more forgiving. Um, cause there were definitely moments where I was like, I had it. Like I, I did, I was, I was right there. I had it and I didn't get it. Yeah. <sighs> Michael, what are your, what are your, what are your thoughts on the, on the Emmy? Um, I think I'm a little more positive. I'm going to. Maybe we'll keep getting positive as we go on, but I'm a little bit more positive on it. I liked it overall. I I think I have two points. One, the amount of time between death and retrying is very important to me. I relate this a lot to... Yes. Um, this is not the same thing at all, but Celeste, if I... You know, you play, you die, you're instantly back. That's what allowed me to keep playing that game. In this game, dying and restarting is pretty quick i feel like if it was just a few more seconds i'd <laughs> i'd be yeah I'd it'd be, be better yeah oh if oh I'm, yeah yeah if it was a few more seconds longer i'd be like then i would not like it but it was pretty quick just get back to what you were doing um and my second point is that the title metroid dread so much about this game relies on that title for me not just because of what the title says it means, but because of the history. How long it's taken for this game to come out. The 15 years we've known about this title. Um, it was a game. It wasn't a game. It might be a game. It's not a game. It actually, see here, it's Metroid Prime. Wow. It's, there's so much relying on Dread and what that could be. All the speculation. So for me, what this game ended up being wasn't exactly what I wanted or I was imagining and i think the emmys are the dread part of metroid dread and i'm kind of formulating all my thoughts now but it's uh i'm conflicted on that part they are a dreadful part of the game but they're also not for me i'm i'm gonna keep thinking about that one but those are my thoughts so far 
Logan was talking about my following my tweets. I think one of my first tweets that I put out was, uh, they shouldn't have called it Metroid Dread. They should have called it Metroid Annoyance. Because <laughs> <You just, laughs> these guys just, just bug the fuck out of me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. As for like rapid iteration, I, I think that's a really important thing that you mentioned. And I think that uh, <clears throat> people said that this game autosaves. It only autosaves in very particular instances. It does autosave at the Emmy doors be- before Emmy zones, which is really good. If you had to come back from a save room, this would have been a big yeah. problem. I bet you, I don't this- think a lot of people would have beaten the game. I think people, and like, if that was every encounter, people would have just been like, fuck it, and just not played anymore. <laughs> right. Uh. I mean, I mean, I would have He's because I, w- <laughs> I knew I was going to do this. But I mean, you're like, I was definitely. I would have been out. I definitely went from Bruce, Bruce Banner to Hulk a number of times while playing this game, and most of those times were because of the Emmys. Um, however, like, it, it the game doesn't autosave all the time. If you're backtracking and looking for upgrades, it doesn't autosave at all. Um, so, which is obnoxious because I actually lost like two hours of progress on something because i just was like yeah, I'm, I'll, I'll be fine and then something hit me sideways and i just exploded uh but yeah i i think that's i think that's that's well noted and i th- i think that having that particular autosave functionality right before emmy zone doors and that it works even if you just dip out for a moment so like there there are a few emmys later in the game where like you'll be going through an emmy zone for a while and you'll just have like an offshoot. I think it's the the ice one or the wave beam one where like you come into a door at the left and then you go up and you can duck out or uh, you come in on the right, you go up, you duck out on the left. There's like an energy power up station and then you continue on to the right. And so when you die to that one, you start at the last time you were out of it. So you start by like the second room or something. Uh, so they, they are generous with those autosaves, which I like. Um, Odell, what, did you, what do you think about the Emmys? So I'm actually, I'm okay with them. Like, I'm probably more positive than negative on them. Just because I like gameplay switch-ups. And, like, I don't like having anxiety. But I feel like a game that can create, like, a good level of, like, ah, damn. Ah, damn. Ah! Like that that's that's good for me. Not in a scary way. Cause in a scary game yeah. I just like cover my eyes and die. But like I, I kinda <laughs> like the, the cat and mouse feeling. Cause I, I I enjoyed SAX and Fusion and this was just, you know, you know, more of that. So I like the ha 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 ha. Why'd you just do like three circles in a row? And and like the whole like, oh you walk through a door, you just walked back, oh guy, like it it, it was fun anxiety for me. The only the my only real big issue with the Emmys are I felt like me and the yellow one became best friends. And then me and the other ones, like I saw them once or twice and that was it. I feel like it needed to be more balanced. Like I needed to have more interactions with the other ones and probably less interaction with the yellow ones. Is so the I yellow like the water one? The yellow is the speed boost one. Oh, okay. The purple one is the, the water, water one. Yeah, that and one best friends. <laughs> so I feel like if we had if we saw them kind of more evenly throughout Instead of like you know dealing with the purple, you like dealing with one way more than the others. That that's why I feel like the game could have really shined if they tweaked it more, where it made their area bigger, so we got to see more of different ones. So it was kind of like a constant mix of crap. Got to be ready for this. Got to be ready for this. But I will say, 
I will say, I think the reason why my encounters with the enemy went positive, so it was one of the last ones. I don't know if it was the red one. But no, the red one's the one you kill when you first meet it. So either the blue or the purple. Uh, I'm just going to say purple. I don't remember which color one. But it's one of the last ones. You know, you already killed five or so at this point. And I remember going through it because I think the last two can see through walls. But I remember just being like, you know what? You know what? Yeah, the purple one can definitely see through walls because that's the wave beam one. Yeah. I was like, I'm just really tired of this. Like, I'm, I'm slow. I'm tired. You know what? I'm, I'm right here. Pow. Countered. Ran. You know, got there. It came. Pow. Countered in a row. I got two counters in the same one. I was like, you know what? Can't be stopped. Can't be stopped. <laughs> this is what happens when a woman reaches her limit. This is We ain't running no more. I, I was a very strong woman that day. I, I really was. I like, like Jamie that. Lee That's Curtis awesome. and Halloween Kills. <laughs> yeah, and, and yeah. like I kid you not, have two counters in the same Emmy section. You, you know, tall, tall as a skyscraper. Cause that's how that's how much I fed up. Like me in the game, like melded, and it was just like the first time I was like whatever. The second time I was like, oh no, yeah, I got your number. We don't need. We, <laughs> I, I, Odell was Neo. He saw the code. <laughs> I did. Uh, yeah. That's that's awesome. Yeah, but the the for for me the yellow one never gave me that much trouble. It was the purple one and the light blue one, the ice one and the wave beam one that were really obnoxious to me. Um, and uh, but I, I do agree. I, I agree with with um, with what you guys are saying. I do like that. So much of these games, uh, Metroid games, are this is one room. These are the enemies that are in this one room. They go in very short circles or they follow you a very short distance and that's it. And the idea of having one enemy that is aggressively chasing after you between rooms is a really interesting idea and a really cool idea. And the fact that they all, particularly the later ones, have things that differentiate them from the others. For example, the one that it by looking at you can freeze you or can lock you in place, or it moves really, really fast. Um, like those are really notable things. The yellow one is really hard to get away from because it's got the speed booster. Uh, the wave beam one can lock you in place through walls. The ice beam one can just look at you and freeze you in place, which hurts over time. I feel like none of the other ones really had a personality. I think the, what was it? The, the green one was the one that was the morph ball and it could like get into tight spaces, but like other ones could also get into tight spaces later, which I think kind of took some of the juice away from that one. Um, so I would have liked to see them differentiated more. Uh, and I do really like these encounters, except that they're instant fail. And we were talking about, and I, I want to get to Logan, what you thought about them in a moment, but I want to just say something really quick while I'm remembering it. Uh, a couple of you mentioned the SAX and we talked about having, you know, this basically be the spiritual successor to the SAX. A cool thing about the SAX is it isn't an instant kill if it sees you. If like there, I just watched a speed run of Metroid Fusion last night, where the per, where the person actively <coughs> aggro's the SAX and escapes from it twice during the speed run because it's faster. And if you're if you are skilled at that, you can do that. Um, but if it catches you, it just deals a lot of damage, so you're very unlikely to survive. And that is one change that I would have loved to have seen, where if they catch you, they just hit very hard. Uh, and in a game where bosses hit very hard, you just make them hit twice as hard as everything else, so you're probably going to die. And even then, like, I think then it doesn't take control away from the player. Uh, your fate is in your hands, and it's not hey, we're going to give you a varied parry timing window that's extremely tight and you're unlikely to hit. Like, 
make that a thing anyway, just during the fight, uh, but give you a little bit more control over that. Make it so that, oh, if they bump into you and you are stealth, it's not just instant fail. It's like, oh no, now they're like onto you and they're right here, so you better book it or you're dead. Like, I just would have liked to see little tweaks to make these better because overall I do agree that this idea is really interesting. Having these these uh, terrifying creatures embody different powers that you want that they have but you can't get yet is tantalizing. And having them track you and hunt you over these, these uh, longer distances than many of the other enemies is also really interesting. I think it's mainly the instant fail situation that they put you in. And yes, being able to parry is super empowering. But it's, it is a tricky thing to get, and a lot of these Emmys have different parry timers. And even still, like, you'll have one timer, and then you'll get hit by another one, and it's, like, it's different. Like, sometimes it's faster, sometimes it's slower. I just found that a little bit annoying. As somebody who is a big fan of Dark Souls, where, like, once you learn the pattern, you can just do it. And even after parrying a lot of Emmys, I still was getting caught by them constantly. Uh, like, when they would find me and then they would I would try to parry it and it, I just missed because it was different but anyway all that being said Logan what do you think about about these I things? think Michael was right I think that we're gonna keep going up the ladder because I love the Emmys I love them a lot god damn it <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think that's because I am a, a psychopath who loves these games I call brick wall games where you just bang your head against the brick wall till you succeed I love mm. Celeste I finished Every single level in Celeste, even the the ridiculous final chapter. Uh, Super Monkey Ball, expert levels, master levels, those are my jam. And that's how I feel about the Emmys, is like, you just gotta be perfect. And I just really love that about it. I love that how I would kind of skirt my way around the Emmy areas whenever I was in in a region. I was like, I don't want to go in there right now. I'm going to go back here and and look around for some other stuff first. And then when you approach that door, you you take a deep breath, you pull up your pants and you sprint through. And I I really, I just really love that, that part of it. And then like Odell was saying, just when you do parry it, it's just Samus being awesome. And when she dies, it's not canon. Yeah. So I just I just love that part of it, too. Um, like, I parried one underwater, and I just will never forget that moment because it's so slow yeah. and just... It, it was so satisfying when you get that parry off and, and get to survive. So I really, really liked the Emmys. The only thing I didn't... There, there were two things I didn't like. The first is that I didn't like that all the Emmy zones looked visually the same. I wish that they had taken inspiration mm. from the region yeah. they were in because it made it really hard. You're like, oh, man, there's that one thing with this the power bomb. I don't know which Emmy region that's in. It could be in any of the seven because they all look the same. And then the only other thing I wanted them to do is I wanted them to pull the Resident Evil 2 move where you think you're in a safe room just once in the game and then an Emmy rolls in and you're just like, I am not safe. Like you get to an Adam room or a save point room and then the Emmy crawls through the ceiling. And I think that would have been a really memorable moment because the Emmys never leave their confines. They never leave them the entire game. And I was waiting for one of them to do it at least once. I hate that that didn't happen now that you said that. Was the one that that burst through the wall in Quiet Robe's place. Quiet Robe was also in an Emmy zone, right? I don't think he was. No, no, he's not. I feel like you go into an Emmy zone and then you drop through the floor and he's there. Yes. Or you meet him in an Emmy zone and then the cutscene takes place out of it. I don't remember. It's weird. 
Anyway, I was trying to think of like if there were any instances of that not. Uh, I get what you're the saying. The red though. one, yeah, the red one you get from the power. But yeah, that is a cool idea. Me having not played a Resident Evil game refers to that as a Last of Us Part Two moment. When, when does that? At that workbench, oh, which yeah. was awesome. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> awesome, awesome, awesome. Logan, uh, real quick, have you played Returnal? I have not finished it, but now I will. But oh, they but, added saves, so I'm going to go back. I was going to say, if you want to play a game that really makes you hate yourself. <laughs> no, I, I know I'll love it. I just didn't have time. Oh, for yeah, you want a brick now. wall game? Here yeah, you go. Yeah, here have you fun, Because I can't beat that game. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm super excited now that they added that uh, save state update. Yeah. I'm, I'm thinking about picking it up myself based on that. It's good, but, yeah. but I'm bad at it. Um, so a few things... Um, I mean, we all seem to kind of like them. I wanted to go through a couple of things. I've I've already kind of mentioned a few things um, about what I would change about the Emmys before we move on. Let me see. Oh, by the way, I screamed, fuck you, when, the, when Quiet Rope turned off the Emmys and then you get later on in the game and then you see somebody be like, beep, 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 beep. Turning these back on. I'm like, fuck you! I thought I was out and they pulled me back in. You sons of bitches. Did you really believe that ah, you were I hated out? It. <laughs> there were two left? <laughs> no, I did I did okay. not. I did not. I did not. I knew, but I, I thought they were going to maybe give me an opportunity to like kill one while it was a sitting duck. Uh, yeah. And then they didn't, which sucked. Uh, the last one's a It was a like freebie, the one when you're walking through. Yeah. The last one is a freebie, which I thought was cool. The red one. And that scene was awesome. Like talking about cinematics where... Samus is a badass. Like that's a, that's that is a premiere moment where she's just like, "Fuck you!" I'm gonna grab this spike and just drain all of your power until I have like a massive explosion that I can now use all the time. Let me see. Did I not? So I have a question. Oh, yeah. So sure. I'm just thinking about like what you can change to these Emmys to make them better. Um, and I'm thinking you mentioned that maybe they just do deal a lot of damage, right? And I'm. I'm just thinking, like, I don't think that would necessarily, like, that would remove the, the dread from the instant kill, from how, how terrifying they are, and the believability of them being able to extract the DNA if, if they don't instant kill you. So I'm wondering, would you have liked it better if this game didn't restrict the Emmys to their one confined place, but every area, like, I can't remember a single area's name, Ferenia, whatever, Every single one had one Emmy, and they could just be found anywhere at any time. So there was just this always this feeling of an Emmy can pop out of anywhere, but they don't instant kill you. They just hurt you a lot. Would that have been almost like a Mister X? Yeah, situation. Yeah. And I can't yeah. handle the pressure. You guys gotta stop referring to game franchises that I've not. You got you gotta play Resident Evil, man. That's just what it comes down to. <laughs> <laughs> I literally have, I think, Resident Evil Two installed on my PC, and I just haven't played it yet. Come on. Uh, but so that's an interesting. That's an interesting thing. I did actually think about this, and you could make it. You could make it so that the Emmy Zone effectively moved or kind of like scaled. So like you get away from them. Maybe you get like two screens away and then they stop following you or something like that. Like wherever they start following you, if you can get, if you can get out of their sight and get one solid room between you, they'll stop. And then like, maybe there's like a music cue or something. That's an interesting idea. I, I don't know if that would be better because then you, you lose the, 
it is more focused. Like I think I think you know Odell and Logan touched on this of like you know when you're going into this, this is going to be a focused experience. This is going to be an area where you're going to have to put up or shut up because it's game time. Uh, and in the rest of of these levels, you can be a little bit more methodical. You can be enemies do deal a lot of damage, but it's still like you can take it effectively. Uh, I, don't I, know. I wouldn't be surprised if that was something that they experimented with and then ultimately settled on the zones only because like I could see some players getting frustrated at it inhibiting exploration. Um, yeah. I mean, I guess eventually you would get them, um, but it would be like, okay, I guess it depends on if they were, if they were still doing the central unit thing. That's yeah. That's what I was going to say. Like if you have like, to, if you could find... ship them down over time. Like if you, if you had like very, like, let's, let's say, I don't know. Let's say super missiles were really, really rare in the game. And when you got one, you only got like one. Yeah. But it took like five super missiles to kill an Emmy, but you chunked down their health over time. Mm-hmm. And you didn't have the central unit thing. Like that could be an interesting way to do it where it's like, I can't kill this thing all at once, but if I run into it a couple of times, I can chip it down and eventually kill it. And then it's not a problem anymore. Like, I, I don't know. I like I like that they're confined mostly because I'm a, a wimp. I can't really play horror games. Resident Evil Two. I I had to play it with a friend, and he played most of the time. Uh, so I, I really liked that they were confined uh, because, you, like we were talking about, you knew to prepare for it. And I think it just added this really nice balance that, as powerful as Samus becomes, you are ripping through this world. You're a badass. You're destroying everything in your path except in these areas where no matter how good you are, no matter what suit, missiles, bombs, whatever you have, this thing will kill you no matter what, and it's only in this one space. I just really like that balance of it. So I honestly wouldn't change how that worked. I can't really... like that. I mean, that's you make good points. Those are, those are good points. It is, it is a, like, check yourself type of thing. Like, you can be really... You can, you know, spank the heck out of a boss, and then you get to an Emmy zone, and it's like... Watch yourself, because if they touch you, that's it. Um, I, I actually found them to be... I, let, tell me, how did each of you like interact with them? Because early on, I think Adam tells you, run from these things. You're no match for them, just run away. And I think I did. And then as soon as you get the cloaking ability, uh, I think he... I, I remembered him like being way more like, use this than he actually was on my second playthrough. I remembered him be, being like, okay, now don't run, just hide from them until, they're, until they leave. And so that's what I did. And because of the random pathing and like flipping around and all sorts of shit, I got caught while I was invisible when they basically had no business knowing where <laughs> I was. Uh, a lot of times, that was a lot of my frustration because I was hiding from them. On my second playthrough, I just, I just like ran and almost never hid from them, and my experience was way better. Uh, so I I don't know if maybe that was just me misinterpreting what the game was trying to get me to do, or what. But I'm curious to know if it, what your experience was in your approach to dealing with them, with running versus hiding and these sorts of things. Uh, I guess for me, it was because at first, like you, I kind of just hid and I would walk in, be cloaked. But then, you know, how it hampers your movement and stuff. And so I naturally developed run, explore as much as you can. And then when they hear you and then when they come, then you cloak and, you know, you kind of move around then. 
Because if you go in cloaked, and if if your whole mindset is never get spotted, period, like you're playing American Solid on European mode, then nah, you're probably setting yourself up for <laughs> failure. This was more of like a do what you got to do, and when they come a knocking, you know, now you can be a little a little sneaky, a little evasive, and that's how I played it personally. Same. I interesting. Interestingly. The se- I never moved once I cloaked in my first playthrough. The second time, after I cloaked, I was still moved around quite a bit, and I found that to be way more uh, beneficial. I almost like, even never consumes- cloaked. Really? Yeah. Like, I I think I, what I would do is go in and be like, all right, like, almost like how I would play, like, Mega Man with, like, the reverse on, like, a, a reverse cheat on of, like, all right, we're going here, all right, here's the bad guy, so I'm going to go down instead. Um you know, and figure out the opposite pattern that I had to go. Um, you did the RPG thing. Yeah, like, I let myself die, like, a number of times. And then finally, once I figured out, like, where they were coming from, it was like, all right, I'm just going to, you know, sneak my way around. But I, like, just hauled ass through, like, every one of those encounters. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Huh. I, that's interesting. Because in the Emmy Zone, your only priority is to survive so yeah, yeah. <laughs> <There> you <go. laughs> yeah. thank you <laughs> oh, good old Adam good impression Logan uh, yeah okay well I think we've pretty much covered those um, before we get into I guess kind of our, our, our story thoughts and kind of what we want to see from it next um, what did you guys I was Another kind of minor annoyance that I had was how long the loading screens were. What did you guys think about this? Yeah, they were pretty, yeah, no, like the transport travel loading screens. Those were the only ones that bothered me. That's usually when I'd say, okay, put it down, check what's going on here on my phone. Okay, and we're back. Um, it was cool to see Samus like hanging out on the elevator the first and second time, but not the 14th time, you know? <laughs> uh, Spider-Man on the bus, or like on the on but the. But those were always cool to see. I don't know. That was always nice. This one. Those were cool because there there was stuff going. And on. I don't know how much of a difference this made, but I played the whole game in handheld. Never once did I put on any kind of screen, which I feel is a, a bit of a shame because I'm sure this game looks really nice on on the big screen or one of the OLED mode. It looks better handheld in my experience. Then I made the right choice, uh, but I'm gonna assume that it also made the loading screens longer nope didn't matter okay. nope nope <laughs> they Doesn't long matter. as shit and, <laughs> and let me tell you at, at least playing on my gaming laptop uh via emulation loading screens just as long huh. yeah so i don't know what it would be like on an ssd or something like that but like Loading screens seem to be just long, and that's just how it is well yuzu um, also doesn't like from what i understand it doesn't like it doesn't change anything? Yeah, like, it, it, it literally is emulating okay. the hardware. Like, it is behaving as if it is on a Switch. Like, there oh, are other emulators shame. where, like... Like, the, there's an Xbox emulator that, like, you boot up Halo, and it's, like, you're ready to go. Instant? Yeah. Yeah. Ah, damn. Well, I hope that they do that at some point. Because I would there. love to play this game with no loading screens. Uh, so I'm going to sound crazy here, but honestly, I kind of dread, ha, ha, ha. The fact we're in this era of 0.0 loading screens because, like, I'm That's cool. the bar. <laughs> like, I like interactive loading screens, you know, something to make you be like, oh, I can look at this and enjoy this. But as someone who's been gaming my whole life, I need a natural break sometimes to, like, check my phone, to, like, mentally zone out or just, just like, a mental pause. 
and when games have zero loading screens, like mm-hmm. this is gonna. I don't like to make. I don't like to just pause the game and be like, okay, let me five minutes do something, because I feel like if I am manually pausing the game because you know my mom's calling or something, I'm usually taking myself out of action that isn't meant to be taking yourself out of. But when you reach a natural, consistent break, it's like a uh, okay. All right, I've re- I've reached the end of a chapter. I did. I can now. This is a natural spot where I can break, you know, not lose my progress, and then come back to it. And like, so I enjoy it when games have like, oh crap, we gotta load. Here is twenty seconds to yourself. So they really didn't bother me. I don't know, but also, I grew up in a time where you know loading screens could be like damn near five minutes. So what's twenty seconds? Well, that's one of my my biggest complaints with Returnal is like. You know, if you're on a run in that game and you're doing well, it's like, all right, I've I've done nothing but focus so hard on doing this thing for two hours. And, like, the only break you have is if you die. But, like, it's very rare that you're going to be like, all right, let me pause this and go to the bathroom or whatever. Like, you're just powering through it. Yeah, I definitely agree. Like, Metroid, you know, there, while there are a lot of them, like, it does give you a chance to, like, take your breath. And I don't know. Yeah, there's there's a lot of them, but... I'm super impressed with once you're in an area, there's none. Like, I, I just yeah. really love how smooth the game is. Like, I heard some mixed experiences in terms of frame rate, but I had locked 60 the entire game, and I thought it was gorgeous. Except in the loading screens, which dropped to, like, 20 frames, which I thought was really funny. Yeah. But, yeah, if, if I yeah. need to deal with a, a little bit of loading for the experience once you're actually dropped in the area, it didn't really bother me too much. Yeah, I saw on Twitter yes. said something they're just metroid lo-fi screens and then once i saw that like the loading screen completely changed for me i'm just like they are <laughs> Where, where's the like the, i just need my metroid lo-fi right now like if nintendo actually did that if they just gave you like some elevator type music while that was going on i'd be like genius perfect yeah g- give me some of that like lo-fi music to study to and samus is just looking out a rainy window and she's got like a book that she whips out of the back of her suit or something yeah, uh, I mean the last one where she's sitting in the chair, that one's kind of boss. That was dope. <laughs> yeah. That's the best that was one. Dope. Yeah, yeah. I'm just like, man, ascend to your throne, Samus. Come on. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, that was that was pretty cool. Um, okay, so let's do some kind of final thoughts on the story, what we thought about this uh, as kind of the end of this kind of arc of the story that was started with Metroid one. Uh, and then we'll do final thoughts and then we'll, and then we'll call it a night. Uh, I, I, I'm going to end this one. I'll let everybody else go first. Chris, what did you think about this as a storytelling experience and based off of like what has come before up until now as a capstone to the Metroid experience? It, it was really great to see, uh, the way that, they matured uh i mean granted i don't have samus returns to go off of because i didn't finish that game um but it doesn't do almost anything okay but like the way that they matured um you know the storytelling experience from you know fusion and zero mission and like the other ones that i have played um i think it it did something that i didn't know i wanted in that it made metroid feel like dragon ball z at times and that's fucking awesome (laughs) Like, there were just so many moments where I was just, like, screaming at the TV, like, this is amazing! You know? Um, and I... It, it's... 
it's definitely a different tone for Metroid, um, and definitely a different reaction that I would have gotten otherwise. Like, normally there's that sense of awe and wonder that I think that these games bring out. Um, but I think, uh, there are a lot of Gatorade get hype moments, uh, this time around, especially at the end, um, where Samus basically turns into Super Shredder, um, and it's just amazing, (laughs) um, yeah. That suit was wild. I was really disappointed when I loaded that game back up and I didn't have it. Yeah, that would have been a nice little, like, you know, you've beaten the game. Go just, like, have this to wear and look amazing. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I, overall, I'm very uh, I'm very happy with it. I, I do wish that there were... I'm, like, I'm contradicting myself because, like, I kind of wish there was more cutscenes because um, I liked the world building that it did. And I understand why there isn't a lot of it. Like there's, there is to an extent in all the other Metroid games, but um, I think it uh, it's just cool. It's a cool space, and I want to know all about it. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Michael, what do you think? Um, anything story wise, I I enjoyed. I think this was a good. Because if I'm understanding correctly, this is supposed to be the conclusion to the saga. Like, apparently they might make more, sure, but this is the Metroid 1 through 5, this is its, this is a thing. And I think this was... Yes, this is the, yeah, this is the story. Right, so, okay, so I think this was a great way to kind of wrap it up, put a little bow tie on it. The fact that the idea of Samus becoming a Metroid is not... is one I guess I should have predicted based on fusion, but... I, I don't know, I just it's such a simple concept, but it's such a cool cool concept. I always thought about how uh, how are they gonna introduce introduce Metroids, the actual enemy, into this game. Apparently they're all gone. Da, da, da. And this is such a creative way to to have at least one Metroid present in a Metroid game. Um, there yeah. are there are a couple of things I don't fully understand like the parentage stuff that was briefly mentioned like i don't i don't i don't know what that's about like how like i know samus was raised by the chozo and things like this but it has some kind of dna shenanigans going on but now raven beaks involved directly I, I someone's gonna have to explain that to me um i think odell i think odell is the perfect person he's ready. Uh, to explain this, which is great because he's up next. Um, I, okay, uh, so to answer your question real quick, I I love the story. I don't one. I don't know if they retcon some things. I'm gonna need some answers about getting to that. But so the way I interpreted how Raven Beak is, so you know, really killed Samus's parents yep. on human colony. Human colony, who cares? And, you know, she was taken by the Chozo and raised by them. So she is infused with Chozo DNA. That's how cause she can interact with their technology. You know, through her suit and stuff. Like, uh, her suit is, like, surgically attached to her. You know, clearly she could do morph ball and stuff. And so, and what I took that as is, she was saying that, like, he's like her spiritual father. Because she has DNA traits of his tribe, the warrior tribe. And since he is the leader of the warrior tribe, naturally how Chozo's rank, he will be her leader, her father, you know. So that's what he meant, like, my daughter, in a sense that all the other Chozo warriors would be his children, not biologically, but through uh, allegiance. Okay, yeah. The the image that they did with the heart of him yeah. and the heart of her, I was like, oh, like, they did, like, a heart transplant <laughs> from the two of them. 
or something. Well, is it possible? Yeah, I didn't get any of that. DNA, like there's that picture of her in like the test tube and Raven Beak is watching. Is it possible some of the DNA they they infused her with was his? Like, I mean, that could be we. I mean, we we don't know ultimately. Yeah, but. You know, and and since then, I just took it as either one, he just meant spiritual daughter because you're of my tribe, or maybe some of the chosen DNA, like, because she is from the warrior clan, they they took the head of the warrior clan, and, you know, but she's also part of the clan that Quiet Robe is from, so, you know, that, that gives her the ability to control Metroid, so to speak. Yeah. But uh, What are the odds that the two, uh, the two... Kozo that she run into in this game are from the two tribes that she has DNA ties to. What are the odds? <laughs> okay, so that's I, I'm going to lean more towards the spiritual thing because I just don't see how these these characters. Because she also has you said both tribes, so I guess is quiet. What's his name? Quiet Beak. Quiet. Quiet Robe. Quiet Robe. Quiet quiet robe. robe. Uh, yeah. Is is another father? We got Raven like, Beak. We got Quiet Beak. We got we got you know dreadful really Beak. Loud beak. <laughs> We got yeah, we got painful beak. Yeah, so um, if you play the Prime trilogy, it actually gives you the most story dump wise, and again, you have to seek it out. It isn't just three gives you the most directly. Here's the story, like we will talk to you, but one and two you really have to seek it out. And so the way it goes is, you know, Samus was rescued, raised by the Chozo, you know, you know, learned their ways, all that good stuff, and then was like, I'm gonna become a bounty hunter to seek revenge. Peace out, family. Love you. You know, whatever they do, I don't know. <laughs> That'd be cool if they said bye like that. I would actually love that. That is headcanon now. <laughs> but Yeah. So while she was out doing her thing, you know, destroying the space virus, the Chozos went extinct or, you know, vanished, whatever. You know, they're, they're a dead race now, essentially. I mean, according to Dread, they were just, like, chilling. They were just like, we weren't dead. We were just, I don't know. I, I don't know. But you find <laughs> out. That the Chozo, besides you know just being old and ancient, went extinct because of Phazon, which is a uh, which comes from planet Phase, which is a living planet, and Phazon's like a bio poison. It corrupts and blah blah blah. And the Chozo found this out, and they were like, "It will destroy the galaxy." So, but you know we're Chozo, so we're gonna study it because you know we're better than everyone else. And then lo and behold, they became corrupted. And was like, "Ah, corrupted!" Ah! And they're like, "Us being the most powerful race, we are now corrupted." We will now basically die off and seal off this threat from the galaxy. But it's okay because our child exists and we will leave things for our child to find. She will be our living testimony, our living legend. And she will, you know, the, kill off this threat and she ultimately does. But in the Metro Prime, you learn about the Chozo, the races, the stuff. And how that, you know, they believed in Samus so much that they left their entire legacy to her to find, to, pre- to persevere, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So in Dread, I'm pretty really. Dope. Hmm? That's pretty dope. Yeah. So in Dread, now I'm really like, oh, so what happened? Like, there were two tribes. They're now essentially dead because they killed each other in a civil war. But I'm like, what's the story here? Were y'all game. like the last? Huh? I want to play that game. Chozo Civil War. Uh, yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but so I'm like, were y'all the last two tribes? Like, if they would have said something like, "We were the last two tribes," I just needed that bit of information. I'm like, oh, okay, y'all the last two tribes. Y'all are essentially dead now. So Samus, but yeah, so I really want to know. But they have other games uh, to make. So it's too soon. Too soon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, but this game has the most background storytelling because people have noted out in the Chozo ruins, you can see things like the Chozo leading the space pirates and like cultivating mm. either creating yeah. or 
capturing or domesticizing monsters she's fought throughout the series. So it's like, whoa, what, what, what were the Chozo doing? Or what was specifically Raven Beak's tribe doing? And what does this mean? You know, there's a lot of unanswered questions. So for someone who's yeah. all about the lore, I, I really just love this game. And then, you know, and her becoming a Metroid, just, again, it, it's like you said, it should be obvious, circle. but it's not. But when it is, you're like, holy crap. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. And, uh, and that's, that is, that is really cool to me because one of the things that I was so disappointed uh, in, in like in <coughs> fusion, even though I liked it to a certain extent um, was that like, I really liked the uh, Infant Metroid story, like from the end of two through Super Metroid. Like I found that like very touching and stuff. And the fact that the, the presence of that, uh, the Infant Metroid isn't followed up on beyond that, beyond like the vaccine that I'm assuming the Federation or those scientists made the vaccine from the Infant Metroid that they were doing tests on and stuff. So I'm assuming the baby Metroid, and I think she says the baby Metroid saved my life twice um infusion that is true so then the fact that she becomes a metroid is also due to the presence of the infant metroid which is the one that she saved in at the end of metroid 2 which is like a crazy full circle thing to happen yeah but one of the things that i was thinking about and you mentioned this is raven beak having these aspirations of the metroid which is something that quiet robe goes into in his big kind of um like sermon whatever uh, when he's like telling her the story of what happened in this game. Uh, and then, so the story basically is that Raven Beak wants to weaponize the Metroids, which is the same thing that the space pirates wanted to do, except that the Kozo created the Metroids. So like, wouldn't that run counter to what everybody else wanted to do? And then he steps away and puts his plan, like, Somebody put the kibosh on his plans and then Samus goes back to SR388 and destroys all of them except for one. So, but then you look at environmental storytelling and you've got the central units, which look a hell of a lot like mother brains and have weapons in their chambers that are just like fucking mother brain. So what does that mean? Like is, was mother brain just one of those central unit type installations originally and then evolved into something more was raven beak in charge of what was going on with the space pirates and ridley like was he coordinating all of that were they subservient to him like these are the things that i'm trying to to kind of piece together all right so the way i understand it with all the lore mother brain went rogue and but was so mother brain one was of a those central things. unit yeah uh well no mother 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 brain uh so Mother Brain went rogue. I don't know if it was a central unit, but it went rogue and then took control over the space pirates. And the space pirates followed her. Mother Brain basically is rogue AI story. Like, I, I, I am fully aware. I think for myself, I'm running the show now. Now, how that connects to, you know, the shows or whatever, we don't know. Like, now Dread has opened up these things. My Mother Brain went rogue, took control of the space pirates, effectively became their leader after Ridley. Ridley was their leader for, you know, eons or however long. I don't know. Mother Brain took over, ran the show. You know, Samus had to stop her. And then, uh, you know, according to Dread, SR388, what we thought was, you know, a Galactic Federation project was really 
uh, Raven Beak's project because he was like, let's weaponize the uh, Metroids. The other Chozo were like, no, not our way. And he was like, F y'all, I'm going to do it in secret. But then the Galactic Federation found out about the station. And before he could go in and deal with them, Samus went there, you know, and killed them all. So his plan in Dread was like, well, you killed all the Metroids, so now I got to use you because this is the only DNA of Metroid that exists in the galaxy. Hmm. Interesting. <clears throat> and you would know some so, yeah. of that if you well, played Samus you. Returns. FYI. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a lot of questions you raise, and we'll find out answers to all of them in 15 years. <laughs> yeah. I really hope not. And my children are playing the next Metroid game when it releases. <laughs> but if I can, can, I can this is why I feel like Metroid Prime 4 got canceled. They were like, yo, we made Dread. Here's the story. And they were like, oh, crap. We, we can work with this. So I feel like 4 is either going to be a prequel explaining the downfall of the Chozo, or at least we'll get the story in that, or it's just going to be a sequel from 5, and we're just going to go forward and you know go fight the Galactic mm-hmm. Federation. Because they hate Metroids, and Samus is a Metroid now, and they've been, you know, shady since day one, so about to go take them on. Wait, the Federation? Yeah, the Galactic Federation. Although I will say that one of the, like, in Super Metroid, the Galactic Federation did discover that you don't have to use the Metroids for conquest, which was them. So I'm not 100% on the shady Federation train. Oh, they're right. Aren't they pretty shady in other yeah, but, well, but we, we... I See, but I didn't play I mean, it. We didn't play it. I mean, yes, end. but that story's also, like... I mean, besides just being a bad story with Samus's character, it's actually, like, an incoherent story. Like, yeah. there's a mystery character that you're trying to find out who he is who's, like, janking crap up, and the game just forgets about that story plot, like, halfway through. <laughs> and he, like, killed, like, two of your people. I'm like, so what? We, we just forgot about that? We... <laughs> What? <laughs> Whatever, man. Like, I, this is not canon. I'm out. If I could just say my yeah. piece on the Dread story real quick. Sure, sure, yeah, sure. I, Odell's talking about it earlier. I don't like these games where there is no story and it's like, oh, you got to figure it out for yourself. It's like, nah. So I was really happy with Dread's story because I thought it was just present enough to be on my mind while I was playing, but it wasn't happening all the time. Like, there's just really a few key moments. There's There's the intro. There's the quiet beak. Quiet robe, quiet robe. There's the unleashing the X parasite, and then there's kind of the Samus absorbing the final Emmy and going to confront Raven Beak. So there's really just these core central beats throughout that keep you moving through the parts where there's really not much happening. I really like that about it because I felt like there were more concrete story moments than any other Metroid game that I have played, uh, not counting the Primes or other M, which has cutscenes everywhere you look um so I, re- I really like that about it and then in terms of the the father-daughter thing they're just like oh let's make a star wars reference here we'll make a sephiroth one-winged angel reference here they they just threw everything at the wall in that final boss fight yeah. so i didn't read too much into that but i did think it was very star wars it's interesting you said it was like dragon ball i i was thinking about star wars through a ton of, of the metroid dread story but i thought it was cool yeah interesting yeah, and uh, and I will echo what a lot of people uh, here have said. I did like it. I liked that, by and large, it did not overstay its welcome. It was largely, let's get in, get out, tell the story. I think that Adam was a little bit too long-winded. I would have liked a bit more brevity with his stuff and have it not just be describing to me stuff that had already happened. But I think other than that... Uh, 
I think that it largely does a lot of what it sets out to do in a pretty solid way. Uh, it's definitely, um, you know, I, I said this before, I, I think it's probably my second favorite Metroid game after Super Metroid. Uh, I went back and revisited uh, Zero Mission and Fusion and Samus Returns a little bit. I played like maybe a half hour uh, or an hour and a half like of those three games total. Uh, and uh, it's not super easy to go back to any of them. Uh, you know, we talked about the damage being tuned pretty high in Dread. The damage is tuned very high in Zero Mission also. Uh, I got taken out several times by just a flock of little flies. It was, it sucked. <laughs> but yeah, I think, uh, I think Mercury Steam deserves a lot of praise and a lot of credit for what they've done and how they've improved uh, this game over their last one on 3DS. I mean, it's, it's on a better, more popular platform. It's the most fun to play moment to moment. It's got awesome like boss fights that I think we'll be comparing a lot of uh, 2D Metroidvanias to for years to come. Uh, and I'm excited to see what they build on it uh, for the future. Uh, anybody have any final thoughts before we, before we sign off? I'm pretty much, pretty, pretty much good. I think I've said my piece, all the things that I don't like, all the things that, uh, that I do like, and all that sort of stuff. You know, this may be the end of this story arc, but I refuse to believe this is the end of Samus's story. Like, there, there's just no way. That, that, that's like saying, you know, this is the end of the, this particular Link story, but this is not the end of, you know, The Legend of Zelda. Like, I, I, yeah. I don't see a universe where that happens. They did it with Halo, right? It was like, Halo yeah. 3 came out, they're like, this is it. <laughs> We're not making it anymore. We're like, yeah, okay. They just and they're keep like, cranking them out. People really like this one? <laughs> yeah. Wait, people are playing hundreds of hours of this multiplayer? You know, maybe we should make another Halo. We game. made how much off that last one? All right. We got to make, another, make one. another one. Yeah. I guess for my final I think the thought. the game is good. Yeah, I'll, I'll say, like, uh, just looking at the Switch library now with Metroid Dread, like, people always talk about the big three of, like, the SNES of Super Metroid, Super Mario World, and A Link to the Past. I think the Switch has, like, a better big three of Metroid Dread, Breath of the Wild, and Mario Odyssey. I look at those three games, and I'm like, it does not get much better than that across any of Nintendo's platforms ever. Like, this is, in terms of Nintendo's big franchises, I think the Switch entries of all three are the best of the series, in my opinion. So I think we're going to talk about the Switch for a long time. If you swap out Odyssey for 3D World plus Bowser's Fury, I'd agree with you. <laughs> it's a Wii U game. <laughs> Got to give credit to the Wii U, my favorite console. Uh, I do, I do, and I love that game there, but it's better here. Yeah, it's way better. <laughs> Michael, you got any final uh, final thoughts? Just happy that I'm excited for Metroid. You guys are excited for Metroid. Everyone that's played this game, I think, is generally excited for Metroid, and a whole bunch of new people are excited for Metroid. That's just such a hopeful thing. Uh, I love that. That is, yeah, that is awesome. And Chris has known me for a very long time and has known that I have been begging Nintendo for Super Metroid 2, and I think the day before it was announced, I was talking to Justin Davis on Twitter, and I was like, you know what? Even if they don't want to give me Super Metroid 2, I would even take Metroid Fusion 2, and then they had literally announced that. Yeah. So this this is what I was asking for. And so now I'm just going to be asking for Final Fantasy Tactics 2, uh, like real 2. Come on. 
Advance doesn't count. How dare you? Oh, God. <laughs> I can't believe it took that long. <laughs> yeah, or Metroid Prime Pinball, which is a great game. That game is great. Yeah. Odell, you got any final thoughts? You know, uh, we're talking about that. Well, let me just get other M remake, but like, you know, without an asinine story. But good? Yeah. You know, you know I, I just got to say it. You know, the best characterization I feel like of Samus is still in Fusion. I, I love the internal monologue. I, I would love to see that more, but I loved her two sentences in Dread. But other M, like, I don't think it's canon. I'm pretty sure it's not canon because that game literally makes no sense. Like, literally just doesn't make any sense, but... I mean, hey, Rise of Skywalker is canon, and that shit makes no sense at all. So, <laughs> and uh, so I really like if they were to remake that game and like throw out the story and just write a new story, I'll be all for that because I, I feel like it's a game worth playing. Metroid Dread yeah. is great. Metroid is great, y'all. For the love of God, you can still play Metroid Prime. Metroid Prime still runs good. The loading times will, is the only thing that has not aged well. Like play Metroid Prime. Play Metroid Prime. You, you say atmosphere is the best thing about Metroid. There is yet to be a game more atmospheric than Metroid Prime in the Metroid series. Maybe ever. I don't I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to revisit it. Right now, I'm planning on playing uh, Metroid Prime 2D, which is a fan 2D remake of Metroid Prime. Uh, and then I'm going to try uh, to get through AM2R, which is another Metroid 2 remake. Uh, so a couple of fan games, and then I'm going to see if I can get my hands on, on Prime. But... I got, I got, I got my 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 two D Metroid whistle wet from Dread. <laughs> so, anyways, thank you all so much uh, for joining us for the show. It was a pleasure having all of you on. Um, and thanks, ladies and gentlemen, and boys and girls, and people of all stripes, uh, for joining us for episode two hundred two. If you like the show, share it with friends and tell your Grammy about it. Because why not? We need more ears on the show and uh, we don't advertise. So word of mouth is the only way we have to grow. If you want to talk to all of us, uh, you can find us at Platformers Pod on Twitter. You can find me personally at Ribnax on Twitter. And uh, we also stream the show on twitch.tv slash Platformers Pod and archive it on youtube.com slash Platformers Pod. Chris. Where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram and everywhere else at Shrives93. Um, over the next few weeks, you'll get to see me uh, devolve into madness as I really uh, ramp into uh, my wedding um, in the middle of this month. Um, so as, you know, that... The Congratulations. Thank you. As the stress levels get higher and higher, you'll see me uh, slowly descend into madness, and then I'll be fine. Excellent. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> <laughs> a, a mad Chris Shriver is a, is a thing to see. Oh, it's a sight. Uh, <laughs> Michael, where can people find you? Okay, you can find me on Twitter and Twitch at Super Zambazi. Very interesting name. Um, on Twitter, I kind of just exist. I'm there. I don't really do much. But on Twitch, I actually do stream. Um, otherwise, this next couple of weeks well currently my projects are all mario party related because i have a mario party related website and a youtube channel and a twitter account that is all it's actually updated and i'm I'm finding such great success go look at my good my good social media uh qualities there not on my (laughs) personal one 
Yeah, that's Mario Party Lexi. Cool. That's me. Thanks for having me on. All that good stuff. Yeah. It was fun. Odell, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me at Odell Harmon Jr. on all your favorite social media sites. Uh, mainly Twitter, though. I interact with people. You talk to me, I'll talk back. You clap at me, I clap back. <laughs> Just so you know, be warned. But uh, you can keep up with me there. Sometimes I Twitch at Hair23. I'm not consistent enough, so I'm not going to tell you, like, go subscribe because, man, you know, I might be there. I might not. But Twitter's the place to be, and that's where I'm at. Nice. Logan, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Logan J. Plant. You talk to me, I'll probably talk back uh, maybe a few <laughs> days later. Really bad at Twitter. Uh, really bad at checking it, but I'd like to be better. And then I got a couple podcasts of my own that I do every week. Uh, video game one is at Ode to Games, and I do a baseball podcast at B Baseball Cast on Bonus Baseball. And thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun. Nice. Yeah, as I said, it was a pleasure having you all on. Um, please. All of you out there, reveal us on your podcast platform of choice. And from everybody here at The Platformers, we hope that you have a wonderful week. And stay safe out there, because until next time, we are out. Good job. Actually, hold on. Let me check the anchor real quick. I think this is episode 202. It is. It is? It is. Okay, awesome. I got you, fam. We live? We live! Okay, here we go.